was there at the dawn of the second season of the Puffer Exchange. It was a port of call for fans from a hundred fandoms. It could be a dangerous place, but we accepted the risk because the Puffer Exchange was our last best hope for conversation. This is our story. How far did you wind up getting? Oh, I haven't read. Danielle is oh. on this massive... Are you Babylon. still in the crypt? I am in the crypt. Danielle is on a huge Babylon 5 kick, so I've been... I've, I'm getting into this series. It's just... I don't know why in this particular series... I, like, I want to like it. I do like it. It's like... Careful now. For Just yeah. in the beginning, it was... I was so preoccupied with trying to figure out who everyone was, and, like, I didn't feel like I had a... Don't, don't do that. I'm I'm trying to stop, but my thing is I'm trying. You know what it is? It's like they're in some series they use like different words for different th- like different words in the vocabulary. So I'm like picking up the different words in the vocabulary, and I'm trying to figure out who everyone is and how everyone's relating to everyone else. Then with some of the people, oh, they, they like I said, with some of the people they encourage incest, so that makes oh, yeah. Farther from poor poor Ryan. Poor Ryan was so confused. I was I was like. Who it's it's not actually encouraged. I want to argue that point. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But I'm like, you, usually when it's actively discouraged, it makes it easier to figure out the familial relationships. And it I'm, is discouraged when people know it's happening, except for the Targaryens, which is a whole nother. That's who I meant. That's who they I meant. had dragons. They can do whatever they want. And then exactly. they wound up crazy because they were so inbred. Well, like the guy that's, said, though, I mean, a Targaryen being crazy or a genius is like, the flip of a coin, which is probably a spoiler, but anyway. Uh, I don't think they were so. often crazy. Well, the Mad King, well, never mind. I don't want to get on that was now. Crazy. Hang on. Hold on, Gen only after Only after Duskendale, though. I am being pinged by Gen 2. So well, Viserys was pretty crazy the whole time. The who? Viserys. Hello. Oh. Gen hey. Second. Gen! Oh, my God! Holy mother of God, I remember you from Pofwa 82. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so you can hear me and yes. I don't have to go through anything and, and, and it's not like, can you hear me now or anything? Can I say something? Right. E- everyone sounds wonderful this evening. I am recording. Everything is wonderful. I am off to find my checkbook. I know you guys wanted to start early so you could finish early. Have a blast. I will have my phone with me. If someone gets dropped, text me or whatever. Are you kidding? Am I kidding what? Where are you going? I am on chapter four or whatever. P.S. What oh, am I on? Chapter. He's like he's on the second Ned chapter. I think he's when he's where they're down in the crypt. But just so you don't think it's laziness, I have read those chapters six times each. Holy crap! I'm You're like crazy. I'm, I'm like I'm not fall like I like I don't know if it was just my mood or whatever. It just wasn't sticking. Those were... first chapters are just so dense. But like... they're it's not uh, they're just so. Every good. character is they're dense. Per- no, they're, no, they're good, but they're... No, it was, and this is what I said to P.S. Like, okay, Babylon 5, or Battlestar, okay, Battlestar Galactica, a bunch of people get... Like, everyone's dead, the survivors are escaping the bad guys. Okay, I, I can now step into B5 and understand what's happening. If I see maniacal laughter, that's the bad guy. Like, I can kind of visualize what kind of story it is. B5, give me the two-sentence setup, I can kind of understand it. This one I'm stepping into, not knowing even, like, what the hell is going on, what the plot is. So okay, okay, let me sum it up for you. Yeah. War of the Roses. It's a political story. All right. True. I mean, but honestly, all of us did that. 
But, but yeah, but, like, but maybe I, maybe I'm just more developmentally delayed than the rest of you. But like, I got well, into probably. it. Probably, I got into I it. I mean, the back of the book contains no plot summary. The back of the book it just tells about the place, about describes the country and describes the Stark family. Yeah. So I read the prologue, and the prologue was about, and I thought it was very cleverly written. I love the writing style, and I'm like, okay, it's a bunch of people going over the wall. So there's civilization, and then there's like, this is in my mind. There's the woods, and there's the savages, and and these people are going over into the you know the frontier for for whatever purpose i get that then there's the first brand chapter i'm following along but then i'm trying to figure out who the dragon people are and there's different terms <laughs> for everything and like it's like it's like the old battle sarcolatica where they have it's know, almost like halfway through the first book you just yeah. have to go with the flow and allow yourself to be confused yeah it's for like a in, while. In the dragons yeah. lords of the, of the it king, comes together of the king, like of the king bearers it, it just the, does at some point you yes. just have to trust it because at some point in the book you you just go, oh. Okay. oh. Well, that's good, because it's like old Battle Galactica. It's like Felberkarb, and, and it's like all these different... So it's like, I'm like, what the hell's Felberkarb? So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm- I will tell you, Ryan, is, I mean, I really loved it. I mean, it took me a few chapters to get into the first book. Yeah, it, it took me a lot to get into, actually. I'm going to say maybe the first 50 to 100 pages, mm-hmm. I just, I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. But, but at one point, up. but then, yeah, but it then was, at some it was, point... Yeah, you, you it start- was a chore for Mike until probably the second Arya chapter. So my fe- so my thing is, then I'm going to PS, and I'm like, okay, Ned and Bob, are they brothers, or are they, and she's explaining to me the relations. I'm like, okay, so she was the <laughs> wife. No, she's the girl. For- okay, she's the girlfriend. So who's that? Is that the brother? The- oh, that's the sister. So then I'm like, well, maybe I missed everything then, because I wasn't aware of that. Let me but read what will happen, again, what will happen as you get going through the book yeah. is that You'll find yourself going, what did they just say? And they'll go, you'll find, flip back to the back, you know, to an old chapter and you'll read it again. You'll go, oh. And then you'll go back to where you're reading. You'll read for a while and you go, wait a minute. That's. Well, it's like Harry so Potter. It, that's it, like when you like, go back again. You're so like, and so. yeah, Sirius was on page three the whole time when you finally. Right. Read it. Yeah. And you're, and you're, and you're, Ryan, I know you're reading it on Kindle, but does it have the names of people in the back? I like for me, checked, starting yeah. on page eight hundred and ten is a, is a bunch of family trees. I may have to check that because then I got to the point where, like, in some stories, like take Babylon Five. In Babylon Five, you're not supposed to know the background of one of the characters, and they hint at it. And it's like all these characters know the history, but we as the audience don't know. And they drop clues in certain episodes. Then after a while, you find out what actually happened. I couldn't tell if I was just being stupid and not picking up the background from what was being written or if no one reading it was supposed to be able to figure it out and you get it past the point I was at. I yeah, they, they I... give it to you in dribs and drabs. I think I gave it. I gave you yeah. a bunch of stuff Which is good. because I, I thought I, it would I was help like, you understand it because you seemed so confused and upset. Because I was doubting myself. I didn't know if I was just being like thick and just not getting <laughs> it. No, you have to rely <laughs> on that. You have to rely on those, tr- those, those family trees in the back. And you just have to trust it. I'm you just have to, to I'm, yeah, I'm gonna keep just have going, to fly yeah. with it. You have to fly with it and just read it for what it is. It's like you just almost have to read it for pleasure and let the details of it go out of your mind for a while until it starts to connect in your brain. Well, then the good and thing it, is if I love it, then I can go back after I get the whole thing and be like, oh, okay. Because yeah, I, I, I found this reread to be really, this is the first time I've reread it and I found 
whoa you know I well, was yeah when, you, getting when you reread it when you start rereading it you're like holy shit that person was there from like the very first page we'll go back again holy crap neb was a proctologist that whole time <laughs> I, I didn't catch that during the first <laughs> right yeah you're, i mean you remember how you said you had to sit back and just relax and let barb fill your head with all the words she was writing you need to do the same thing here yeah, so. trust the author well then i get doubted because then i'm reading it and they're like the dragon lords i'm like who were the dragon lords again? so it's like i don't want just to just read the uh, book uh, you just have to accept that you're not gonna know right well the just good, go with it the the good news is i am going to i guess you guys want to record two on this i'm going to i actually took tomorrow off from work i'm actually just going to to read and by the next one of these you do i will have read the thing and, and we can find out if i'm a success story or not you just have okay. to trust it and go with it don't try to get too technical and don't try to read too much into it on your first time through you can't just go analyze the whole thing the way that you try to analyze things when you're trying to read this the first time through p.s did i have a i think yeah, sorry no, so I, I think that's part of the beauty of what martin does with a lot of stories when a book starts you can pretty much you know, you can kind of guess where it's going, but there's a lot of ambiguity and intrigue and so on and so forth. And Because what you think is happening in this book, by the time you get to the third <laughs> book, it is so far away from where you think this is going. I mean, it's, yeah. it's yeah. Like, you read exactly. the first chapter, like, I read the prologue and I read the first chapter and I thought, okay, this is a story about a little boy and he's probably going to grow up to be a knight and this is going to be the story of this little boy, Bran. Mm-hmm. No. no. <laughs> well, that's like I thought. That, like, if you watch the first season of Babylon Five, oh, it's a it's a story about a bunch of people who live on this on a space station, and it's the UN, and it's the story of what they, you know, all the you know embarrassing situations they get into over five years. Then you watch the last episode, you're like, what? <laughs> So I, I do love stories like that. So that no, and it, and it's since it's so um, since it's driven by the point of view of about you know eight or ten or however many characters that tell the story from different angles, you find that you fall in love with them and then you hate them and then you fall in love with them and then you hate them. Do you watch? Did you watch Lost by the by chance, uh, Chen Chu? No, I didn't. A friend of mine for the Richard will get this. A friend of mine, Aaron must be here. Aaron, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, doing good. I can hear my echo, so I figured you must be here. <laughs> um, Poor Aaron. A, fr- a friend of mine sent me a message. Now, if you don't watch Lost, you're not going to get this. And, and he sent me a message. I'm starting to like Ben. Ben is a character in Lost. And I wrote back, I did that too. After a while, I loved Ben. Then he killed a cat. Then he killed the cutest puppy in the world. And I hated Ben. And then I realized, no, it's okay. It's not his fault he did those things. I love, it's like, I love every, ch- every episode. I flipped on whether I like this character or not. And I did it all the way through, so. I love Ben. He's great. Well, the fun, the, the best thing with, um, with Ben is that when they did the interview with the actor after the show was over and, and they were like, how many episodes did, did you just get the snot beaten out of you? And the actor's like response without even missing a beat was how many episodes was I in? <laughs> this one character. Well, like this book, this book, particularly the game of Thrones yep. in this book, there's a character called, and I'm going to, whoever can just correct me. Cause I'll say all the names wrong there. I have them all in my head. Sandor Clegane. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. I in this love book, in this, in this book, he is the most hideous, disgusting man ever. I mean, just I love the hound. It's wonderful. I, you know, 
and but when you meet him in this book, you just think that he's a barbarian, and he yeah. has you know he's he's just the most beastly person you've ever read about. And by the end of book four, I'm just like, oh, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you're just had a hard life. Yeah, he he. There was a reason he's a bastard. You know, and you're just like, well, it's okay that he went and, you know, cut people's heads off. Well, I'm getting good vibes between Babylon 5 and Lost from this thing, so I will definitely keep reading. All right, I'm off to find my checkbook and to read more. We'll let you guys get to it. I'll carry the phone with me, so if you guys need me, call me. Okay. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye. And Bye. welcome back to the Poofo Exchange. I'm Deathroll. I'm P.S. I'm Gen 2. I'm Richard. I'm Aaron. My God, we made it through the intro. That was the first time. Yay! Yay! Yes. That's this what is... happens when you work with professionals. That's Yay, right. professionals. And don't don't and you don't say welcome back to Pottervick Weekly. No, no, you yeah. just don't say and welcome back to Pottervick Weekly. <laughs> yep. I'm and, right. <laughs> you know you wanted to and welcome back to Pottervick Weekly. It's proof of is... exchange. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. It's <laughs> so funny because PS did that last week. Or tried to. Um, this is episode 27, and we are here to discuss A Game of Thrones, a series, uh, the first book a in a series. A Song of Ice and Fire. A Game of Thrones, the first book in a series entitled A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. R. Martin, who is a fabulous author, one I have enjoyed greatly in these books, and who needs to hurry his damn ass up and write the fifth book. No kidding. Yes. And I guess been what? years. I did. I did my wedding. <laughs> he better guy's not. Guys like guys like sixty-five years old, morbidly obese. He drinks beer and eats pizza all the time. He doesn't write. I'm worried about him. Yeah, he better <laughs> not pour Robert. Well, I, I read. I, yeah, seriously, I read. You know, like a forum somewhere that there was. It said that he had already written the fifth book and had it. it half of it was going to be the fifth book and half of it was going to be the sixth book. So maybe that was just. Bond. Well, that's what happened with the Again. fourth one. The fourth one was supposed to be, or the fourth one was supposed to, the fifth book is supposed to be the second half of the fourth. Like, oh, maybe that's what the, the way it went. And it was, was so long. The, yeah, he moved they all the do, chapters yeah. with minor characters to the fourth book and reserved the rest for the fifth book. And now you're saying the fifth book has become the fifth and sixth book? No, 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 no. Don't, no, I'm, don't Aaron, get off Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, put yeah. your typewriter away, sir. I'm not on that. No, computer. I'm saying Aaron hasn't finished the series. No, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at just the the front. This the, the thing for the series. I'm not gonna. Not gonna. You know. Yeah, but look you can't look at the thing for the series. You gotta. Okay, fine. <sighs> but anyway, enough about when the series. When I have read this, I'll look up the dangerous <laughs> information. Very good. We are here to discuss the first book in the series, uh, which opens with a very interesting scene of some gentlemen are in a frozen wasteland of, of sorts in a forest and they're looking for some people or what what are they there for they're uh, they're patrolling they're, for they're, wildlings yes yeah they're they're scouting they're scouting for well we know who he is but i guess we're not spoiling or well how are we going to do this of course we we're this is, we're, we've read the entire book we're assuming everyone else has but we're not spoiling beyond this book right anything in this they're, book is fair game so I guess I should flip back to the people to the people part and see if the person that I know is is there is back there. <laughs> you can <laughs> say, and we can put a donkey way. over it. Well, I just 
think only I think all they're doing is this, uh, you know, arranging for wildlings that were seen near the wall or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. On the customary patrol, and one of the fellows has encountered uh, something strange, like a whole bunch of dead people with no explanation for it. Yep. Yep. Excellent. And uh, through a series of comedic hijinks, they. Uh, realize that they're very cold, they're very scared. Eventually, we, we get these others that come out of the forest and kill these men who are on patrol. Ooh, scary sound effects. And we, um, learned, that, and we learned that Sir Waymar is pretty much of a pompous ass. He's a dandy, and he gets what's coming to him. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's funny. The Gen 2 notes do say that he's a douche. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 they go. do. They do. Gen 2. Notes. Let me find where I started them. Excellent. I have missed the Gen 2 notes. Yeah, I'm so glad to have Gen 2 notes. Sir Waymar isn't that bad of a guy. He's just, he's misunderstood. Well, he's you misunderstood. know, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's pompous ass. You know, he's, he's what, the, 18 years old. He's the he's the youngest of whatever how many kids you know. And he got sent to the wall, so of yeah. course he's going to go there and act like a douche. But yeah. still, Sir Waymar is a douche. It's too bad he has to die to set the basis for the whole series. <laughs> 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 Anyway, you know, but... Yeah, the the others are a thing of legend in the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, They exist beyond the wall, and uh, some regard them as a a tale told to frighten children. Others regard them as a very real and dangerous threat. They're definitely supernatural, and the fact that when you die, if you're killed by another, eventually you'll rise up and become one of them. That's very, very spooky, very zombie-like. Yes, it is. Um, Wasn't it? You had to be something with the blade, though, right? I don't know if they, I don't know if they kill you any other means. I haven't seen that happen in the whole series, but I'm, I've wondered about that before. Really, you think it has to be the sword? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't remember a lot about the swords particularly, um, but this one glows with a blue light, and isn't it not actually steel? Valerian steel. I think it looks like. He said it. I think somebody remarked that it looked like uh, like glass or something, but it was really strong. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was ice. Yeah. Super hard ice. Ooh. Possibly. Not to be confused with ice the sword. Ice. Yeah, ice, ice the yeah, sword. Yeah, no. Not, not to be confused with that. <laughs> how many people were actually disappointed by the end of the book about how little there really was about the others in this by the end? I always figured it was setting it up for future books, so I didn't worry about it too much. Yeah, I kind of. I have to admit, the first time I read it, I kind of skimmed the prologue because it bored me. Mm, so same. I didn't actually notice that there was any yeah. discrepancy between it and the rest of the book. <laughs> By Go the ahead. time I got to the end, I was like, oh. They didn't talk anymore about these guys. Well, that's too bad. I mean, by the time we got to the end, my mind was so far away from those things. Like, I didn't even realize it until after the fact. Well, Well, I I noticed this on on the reread. You you see the Starks say to each other a lot in the beginning chapters that winter is coming. And I took that to mean that, you know, this is the threat that's out there. We may get to it in this book. And as it turned out, we didn't because the plot and the world builds so slowly and you get the sense that these characters don't give a damn about anything that's happening up over the wall if they yeah. even know and when when they do yeah. find out they don't care because they're too concerned with what's going on in their day-to-day lives well i mean for the most part most of these characters don't give a damn about what's happening anytime yeah they don't give a damn <laughs> about anything except themselves, themselves. <laughs> that's a very human way to be though if you think about it well, no, very true. I mean, they just—they're very self-centered, and they're—they're they're very concerned about how things are going to be in their 
their little circle of life. I mean, so they don't, you know, the wall, the wall is, is something that they may or probably won't ever see in their lifetime. And it's just not something that they can think about or visualize. And so to them, it's, it's not a threat. Yeah. So big whippy. So if you're there's saying, others. so you're saying the average Westerosi citizen is basically the average American citizen today. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> right I, I, guys, I, I, guys, guys! Did you hear? Lindsay Lohan is out of jail. Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, that was oh days ago. Yeah, that was days ago, man. Yeah, you're whatever. not. Don't you're care. Not you're Don't not hitting care. the wonder wall, babe. Should send Lindsay Lohan <laughs> to the wall. Let her fight some others. That'd be awesome. <laughs> she would bitch about the coat that you know the selection of black. I think they would confuse her for one of their own. It wouldn't bother her. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Of the with the others. Yeah. <laughs> Now, let's um, talk about. Sorry, go ahead. What I was going to say about the prologue is it is. Um, I read it very carefully because um, I got the feeling that this was going to be more important later on, uh, especially after I read the first chapter and it wasn't anything like the, the prologue. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've actually read. I think I've actually read the prologue more than any other part of this book. I think I read it three times. Um, but it's it's kind of obvious. You know, going in, this isn't just going to be one book. You don't know. It's not going to be just this one area of the world. It's going to be, you know epic and, and more than that and so this the, the, I like how they kind of make it they give you a hint early on of this is this is what can be important later on hopefully I don't know for sure I've still only read the first book so just really? yeah yeah that makes we me sad that. for you man we, we yeah. have several newbies here how, but how did you do that how did, how did you, you, you how did you not just want to like immediately stop your life and go pick up the first, second book because <laughs> that's well, what I did until I was done with the fourth book and then I cursed George Martin for not having written the fifth. Especially the end of this one. Like, the end of this one, like, I, like, literally contemplated just, like, walking out and going to a bookstore and getting the second one right away without completely, without stopping and passing go. That's exactly what I, made, I did. I did that, too, but I made sure to take about 15 minutes to get on Skype and bitch at Mike for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to the bookstore to get the second book. And they didn't have it. So I bitched to the bookstore and (laughs) (laughs) bitched to the bookstore. And then I came home and ordered it from barnesandnoble.com next day. (laughs) I got, I got all three of the the next three at once. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got two and three. I I read, um, I've, uh, my, my major fantasy series is Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan, of course. And now Brian Sanderson. Whatever. I did that with those books. I the the first book after I finished the first book, I was like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever!" And went out, bought the second book, and then the third, and then the fourth, and then the fifth, and then all the I think there were ten at that time. This series, I took it a little differently, and I knew that there was only four books, and I knew that it wasn't done yet. So I'm I'm not I'm not quite in a rush to to to, to skip through it to the end so I can wait. It's like with the Harry Potter books. I did the same thing. Read straight through one through four at the time in like two days. And I was like, where's five? Where's five? Where's five? Where's five? Where's five? And then there was no five. And I was like, ah, okay, so I'll read them again. And, you know, so <laughs> I don't want to have that happen again if I can help it. Also, well, here's what you can do. Word of advice. The fourth book, in my opinion, is the weakest George Martin book. But by comparison, a weak George Martin book is a stellar book for anybody else. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you should do is definitely get through Storm of Swords because it is fantastic. Um, yes. The best in the series, in my opinion, has the yep. greatest textual combat scene I've ever seen in my life. And it's just, it's amazing. And you can take your time with book four because, frankly, it's hard to get through. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. 
I actually found book one very hard to get through. Uh, I got stuck about 200 pages in, and then I kind of ran through the rest of it once I got yeah. past that. Yeah, Ryan has said it's very dense, and he's correct. There's a lot of information being thrown at you. Like the tournament, everybody who's fighting everybody. Yeah. yeah a lot to dense. take yeah. in. It's just dense. like what I told Ryan at the beginning. At some point, you have to just accept that the author is going to take you to a certain place and just let go of trying to keep track of everything because that's why he put those lists in the back of the book to help you keep track of where everybody belongs because there's no way that, you know, the average reader can just, you know, read this and retain every single tidbit of information that he's trying to give you in these passages. So at some point I just got so bogged by it and I just had to start enjoying the story for the story and give up trying to retain everything yeah i still i can i can't keep random knights straight like basically anybody who's just a knight and really has no other role i don't keep can't keep straight yeah no love for the hedge knights jeez no love for the hedge knights there are lots (laughs) there there are just a lot of characters in this world it's a really really big world that he has built and so far as we can see in the structure of the first book it's a power struggle between all of the noble houses a game of thrones if you will to determine who is going to sit on the iron throne and rule the seven kingdoms and there are some people who think that maybe there shouldn't be one ruler to the seven kingdoms anymore and it's happened in times before um robert raised rebellion against uh, King Eris. Was it King Eris? Yeah. Damon? Yeah. Eris? Yeah, yeah, yeah Eris. Uh, I always said Eris. I guess I'm weird. Sorry, go ahead. It's all right. What? He aligned with Ned Stark, and eventually it was uh, the Lannisters from, from the West, and the Targaryens were deposed, and the uh, Baratheons are now sitting on the Iron Throne. But... Obviously, some people have issues with this. Some people are conspiring to split away, to kill Robert, and to take the throne, to get other people out of the picture, get other people into the picture. And it's really, uh, it, the series has been compared to the stories we get of the War of the Roses. Uh-huh. Um, just various noble houses fighting for dominance and the struggles they have with each other, between each other, and with the world at large. Well, and just another thing is that the characters in this book, you don't realize until after you've gone all the way through the fourth book how interconnected everything really is. Sometimes, you know, I wonder, you know, just how mapped out did he have to have all of this? Then you find out from most authors when things are really this intricate, they're like, oh, I just wrote it and it just turned out that way. And they're they're just that lucky. (laughs) Yeah, and they're just that lucky. And it's just like, damn, how did that happen? Because, you know, you go all the way back to the first, the prologue or even the, the first chapter. And it's just like, how did all of that end up tying in like that? And, and that's just genius. And, and just every little person, and and, so and you're, some people, I was gonna say, I think some people just have a talent for that to, of taking those those disparate plot points and bringing them together in a way they didn't necessarily originally intend, but they they were able to to see how they could come together. Yeah, and make that the way it gels will happen differently from what you imagine, but because you've set the pieces there for every character and situation to react against each other, it will gel somehow, just not always the way you necessarily thought or even imagined it would. 
Well, he's he's a very, very, very excellent writer, and he he's very good at tying every little end at some point. I haven't found anything that I had a question about at some point that later on hasn't been answered. I still have questions. I still have questions, big questions, even still from this book that I want answered. But I still, I, I'm, I'm assuming that they will be because so many other things have been. Things mm-hmm. that I didn't need have been. So, like Leanna. Yeah, there's I'm, a lot of stuff yeah. about her. I, you know, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall about her. There's a lot of good theories going around, but it's probably, oh, yep. don't want to go into those the too spoiler. much. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely should not do spoilery yeah, stuff. Spoilers, please. At this point, yeah. we just know that Leanna is, is Ned's sister. And that mm-hmm. she she died, she died when when Ned and and Robert were taking the throne, and yeah, about the same time, about the same time, she's down in a crypt. In the first, she died. You know, in, she died. She died down in Dorne, didn't she? She died. Yeah, she died in the Tower of Joy. It was right after the war was over. Um, they had taken King's Landing. Um, Ned and a couple of well, Hal and Reed. Um, and a couple other guys went to fight three of the King's Guard because they knew that Leanna was there. And it was this huge fight with seven versus three. And only, you know, one person walked, excuse me, two people walked away alive, which is, I hope they do that on the TV show, by the way, because it's going to be amazing. Mm. So, can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah me too. going to be so good. But we just know that whispered and, you know, oath to him as she was dying. And that's about it. And promise me, Ned, promise me, promise me, Ned, promise me. And we also know that Caitlin has got a massive ass chip on her shoulder for John, mm-hmm. who everyone She's such a bitch. Oh, sorry. Who, who everyone, <laughs> <laughs> who everyone, who everyone thinks and probably assumes that is, is, is Ned's child that he fathered during the rebellion when he was away from Caitlin. Oh, he is. He freely to admits be fair. It. Yeah, yeah, I will well, say, to be fair, he kind of told everybody. <laughs> well, he told everybody. He told everybody. He, he acknowledges John as his son. I mean, I think if I were in Kat's yeah, he, position, he I would be like offended, too. too. Kat, as a general rule, as a character in this book, there are times that I like her, and there are times that I want to smack her. That's She's fair. She's a special of this book. Yeah, I, I mostly like her, honestly, to be honest. She does have a great... Yep. She has some great stuff. Um, I love mm-hmm. when she goes to... Um, to King's Landing, when she meets um, Ned there, the King's Landing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And and that whole, the whole like she she goes down there and you know to to warn him of whatever. Yeah. That yeah that was cool. And except for the hating John thing, there's really she's she's not bad. But whenever she but on the other hand, John, she hates John. But on the other hand, you know, John's trying to tell his comatose little brother goodbye, not knowing if he'll ever see him again. And she's telling him. Yeah, that was that, that should have been you. It should have been you. That was pretty horrible. And I'm thinking, it's, what kind of vicious bitch are you? You know, you're sending him mostly, to go live on an icy wall. And never uh, experience really the fullness of life. Mm-hmm. He's going to basically go live a. He's becoming a monk with a sword. That's exactly. That's exactly what I was about to say. He, he's going to go guard the the world against something that is probably not there. You know, he doesn't really believe in the stories. I don't think. 
No. He's going to go stand on a, on a wall of ice with a sword in his hand and look north for the rest of his life. And and he's supposed to take an oath of celibacy. And technically, he could have stayed there to help defend Winterfell with Rob. And he could have not... I mean, he could have even technically, I suppose, gone and lived in another part of the castle. If no. it was- yeah, he, he could have had a nice job, probably-ish. Yeah. No, no. She I did not want him she there. She didn't want him in town at all. No, she but that's what I'm saying. Because she was so horrible to him she banished him to the wall so no she didn't him. banish him he, he wanted, wanted to go like, yeah, um, he, he wanted she, to go he 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 see ben was trying to talk him out of it but he wanted to go but there's a reason he wanted to go he did not want him in the castle because period. a bastard had no place in the world he wanted some place where he could go and you know they say even a bastard can rise high on the wall and he wanted honor right he didn't. but there's a reason because if he if he hadn't been treated like a bastard he, he I don't think it's. I don't think it's a societal thing as well. Everyone treats bastards this way. Yeah, the, they do. the idea of being legitimate and knowing who your parents yeah. are. And Honestly, that I mean, Cat is not. Really I, think, I don't think Cat is an exception to. She's not a I don't know. Her treatment of John makes me really happy about what happens. Well, never mind. I'm not going to. Well, hers is, hers is definitely. That's a spoiler. <laughs> That's a spoiler. It is. Yes. It, it really please is. stop talking. Hers. <laughs> Her her problem with John is personal because, you know, it's not only the fact that he is a bastard, but, you know, her husband, Ned here, went off, had this son who he says is his son, but refuses to talk at all about who the mother is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can a, see where she's coming John's, from in, in that regard, but I don't think it, it's extreme necessarily because society really looks down on bastards. Uh, well, I, yeah, I think there's the... I honestly think there's the assumption that it's exceptional of Ned to acknowledge him and to have brought him back to Winterfell to raise as yeah. his own. I think Didn't the other, I think Ned the is other bastards. Like, I mean, Robert would go and visit some of his kids, but he didn't like take them with them to raise, and he didn't like really op- as openly acknowledge them as Ned acknowledged John. Well, well I Ned think has for a, a while he, for a while he was with Edric Storm. Who you're not really introduced to until later. I don't. Hopefully, that's not too much of a spoiler. But I don't Rob, think that's this book. Is that the is that the, yeah. the blacksmith's kid or the blacksmith no. apprentice? No, that's no, Gendry. That's Gendry. Yeah. Okay, I don't remember his name, so that's sorry. You just say there is a character coming up. Sorry, I did it again. I'm terrible with spoilers. That's just the character's name. And it's not really a big deal. There's there'd be lots of characters yeah. I haven't read about yet. Yeah. Um. Like probably hundreds, including the main character, because. You know, who I thought was the main character was killed in this book. Yeah, yeah. that took me by surprise. I yeah, was me shocked. Too. Yes. I was absolutely shocked when that happened. I was I totally I, I read from there to the end in one sitting. So did I. That was that was definitely the, the moment that this the, the book caught me was right there when, when uh, I thought Nick for sure that I thought for sure he couldn't be dead. I thought for sure he wasn't dead. I thought for sure it was a fake out somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're I assuming- really, really thought they were going to send him to the wall, and he was going to be reunited with John. And well, we're assuming that, we're assuming that people have read book one when we're talking. Yes, yes, well, we are. Yes, this book podcast is you've read finish. all of book one, and we will do as many recording sessions as we have to until we're satisfied we've discussed everything in this book. Yeah, and <laughs> mayhaps, <laughs> mayhaps we should actually consider going chapter by chapter because I have the book with me. Oh God, no. who has the book? I, I have, have the, the book. book. 
I have the, a physical I mean, book and I have a Kindle copy, but... Like, not necessarily chapter by chapter, but, like, in some some modicum of order so that we don't keep hopping around and then be here for 12 years trying to determine whether we've talked about everything that needs to be talked about. I think we're... we're Stop hitting, being logical. We're hitting it a little I bit. Can. Okay, so, so in, I in chapter about one... The structure of this book first. Okay. We, um, yeah, I like definitely. That how each chapter is just the, the character's name, and... Um, I think it's interesting how we get uh, this this variety of points of view, and both sides of this of this war, all sides of this war, really, even even people who aren't you barely think about uh, on the main area. In the case of Daenerys, or however you pronounce her name, Danny. Danny. So I, it's it's in, it's 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 very interesting the way they do that. It's it's not you know it's not the Harry Potter one you know it's always Harry all the time except for occasionally the first chapter or somebody else. It's not, you know, any number of other books. Um, again, the Robert Jordan books were there. The point of view kind of skips around kind of willy-nilly at times. But I also liked how there was, it seemed there was very little overlap between each day. Each, it was still very linear, I felt. Mm-hmm. But, but still skipping around and with different areas, different people. And that's well, why I liked how, how it just seemed that everything tied out. Yeah. Because it comes from so many point of views and the story comes together so neatly in places that different characters are coming to the same place from different angles and they just happen. So it, it's it's very impressive. A, a good example of that is in the first, I believe it's the first chapter, um, they have the execution of the guy who survived, or I'm assuming at least, and I'm pretty it sure I'm right, the, the guy is. who survived from the prologue. Garrett. Yeah. He's a deserter and, from the Night's Watch. And desertion is punishable by death. And they describe the circumstances kind of under which he deserted, and it, you can tell that it's it's supposed to be what happened in the prologue. And then later on, you'll they'll be they'll like they'll comment on something that's like um, as Danny will do something over in the whatever the other area is called, and then like Robert's spies will have heard about it, and you'll hear about it in the next chapter that he's heard about that this is going on. So they still remain connected, even though there's this um, ocean separating them or sea or whatever it is. I can't, the geography of this place kind of messes. I'm not, I'm not very good. With yeah. That. I, I, the first book just has a map of this country, but the subsequent books have maps that include Danny's country and other places. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a question for you guys. If we're still kind of talking about the first chapter, um, Something that I thought at the first time I read it, I thought it was really terrible. When I read it again, I thought it was kind of awesome. Is that when Ned cut off the head mm-hmm. and Theon Greyjoy kind of kicks like, it, kicks it <laughs> like kicks a soccer ball? <laughs> I thought that was wonderful. It was great. Theon is an ass. Well, yeah, yeah I, but he's so much fun at very inappropriate times. Yeah. He's very antisocial. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of pent up aggression. Yep. Yeah. Psychiatric well, I mean, issues. To be fair, I mean, he was kind of a ward of the state after the war or after Bay- or Great Joy's rebellion, so he know. was taken from his family, brought to this god awful place up in the north where all they have is snow and polar bears and he's <laughs> had to live to beaches and sea winches. So <laughs> Exactly. Uh um, yeah, they got dire wolves up there. They have others. They have wildlings. They have and a whole bunch of nothing. There's a whole bunch of flat, empty terrain up there because it's the north. And he's been a captive when you get right down to it for the past however many years as 
a hostage to his father's good behavior because his father is still in charge out on the Iron Isles. Mm-hmm. I hate Bilan Greyjoy. Bilan yeah. Greyjoy is an ass. Let's talk about the dire wolves since we're in chapter one. Let's Sounds talk like about the plan. dire wolves. Okay, the, the description Gee, symbolism much? Gee, much? <laughs> much? And I thought this there was going to be. Pick that up. What do you mean? I don't get it. <laughs> there are six dire wolves. Five of them normal, three male, two female, and one albino. And yeah. they're obviously <laughs> meant to have some sort of tie to um, Ned Stark's Stark kids. Um, the dire wolf is the symbol of House Stark, and they are. There three- are as many dire wolves as there are kids with these same genders. The same genders, genders, and then and then there's the one albino one. For the bastard. But what? But but what I want to <laughs> what I want to say is, Rob says it's a wolf, and Greyjoy says it's a freak. Look at the size of it, and then they describe it. They say it was the size that made him gas, is bigger than a pony, twice the size of the largest hound in his father's kennel. That's a dire wolf. Mm-hmm. Bigger Dude. than a pony. Ponies are on the small side. Well, maybe it's I, a Shetland pony. Yeah, I know how big a pony is. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've seen a pony rather recently now, but there are other times in the book where you know it's like the dire wolf is just sitting around at John's feet, you know, eating a piece of chicken, or you know, <laughs> or it's with Rob, yeah. you know, scaring people, and you never really quite know is it like a big German Shepherd or a, a badass Rottweiler, or is it really still, you know like a pony? They're still kind yeah. of young though, like if you. The mother was full grown. These yeah. are pups. They're pretty much newborn when they find them. Yeah. And I think the time from beginning of the book to end, I think it spans like, I don't know, like five or six I months. Guess. So by the time, yeah, not, not long. So, I mean, they haven't had a lot of time to get big. But if you think forward a little bit, you they get pretty sizable. Pretty darn big. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking that if it's the size of a pony when it's a full grown. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, just yeah. the back, the back of the back of the wolf at his, sh- at the wolf's shoulder height is going to be nearly to a man's elbow height. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a very, very large. Yeah. Sounds about right. Large, I get uh, the impression. They're like, they're like maybe 50% again, as large as a very large dog. And towards the end of the story when they've, they've, you know, they're, they're, they're a big, really, really big, mean dog. And but they're, they also have this kind of mystique about them because they're this creature that nobody, you know, sees. Yeah. And especially no one sees south of uh, the wall, the north. Yeah. So. And given that, and given that the size of these things, and and although they are the symbol of the house of Stark, I'm not sure that I'd want my ten year old little girl having a dire wolf. Or but your three year old. So cute. They're so cute. Or their th- or your three year old. Shaggy dog. Shaggy dog. Shaggy dog. Worst <laughs> name for a wolf. Shaggy ever. dog's hilarious. <laughs> I love Shaggy Dog. You know, I mean in in the end, Nymeria is awesome, but i I still so I, just, think they, I think the Starks are of the opinion like a lot of people have like today with uh, what people would consider Tigers. like aggressive dogs. Like it's not about how you not, not about the animal, how you raise it. Uh, yeah, and you know they're not if they're brought up in well, I don't know if you want to call it captivity, but if they're raised right, you know, or whatever, if they're, then if they're trained and domesticated. Yeah, I, and nobody yeah. knows if they can be done because they haven't been seen for yeah. eons. 
right. they're going to continue to have all of their vicious animal nature, but as long as they're raised with humans, certain humans anyway, they will come to accept humans as part of their pack. It's a little weird, but this is still my pack, and I will still kill anyone who tries to get near him. To be fair, um, Ned could have thought, he could have been like, well, maybe my kids aren't going to take care of it. We're going to have to put these things down after a while. Let's just see how it goes. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. You know, I've seen. Well, and that's very true, too, from a parental standpoint. I mean, I'm sure at that point in medieval history, it would have been very natural for you to take your child's animal behind the woodshed and give it a. Yeah, you can't exactly take a dire wolf to the pound. Yeah, give it a nice (laughs) dose of euthanasia. But, I mean, I can understand that. (laughs) I can understand that viewpoint, too. I mean, I Elizabeth is trying to keep caterpillars right now, and I've done all the work, so. (laughs) I have this image now of Ned trying to, like, clean up after five dire wolves, six dire wolves. Picturing Ned with a pooper scooper. Yes. (laughs) Cleaning up after five dire wolves. And they're the size of horses, so he's got, like... But its poop is bigger than our couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. I, t- yeah. I tell you, I think a lot of the reason why they keep it is because it's um this is a culture that This is strange. They, Sorry, they my value. phone is not It's not yeah. what? Tell us. Tell us oh, we it lost work PS. I think we lost PS. Uh, we well, I was gonna say very superstitious. Very superstitious people. They they have they they you see stuff about omens and there's there has been magic in the world. You know and they they believe in the supernatural. I think a little bit more than we do in this in our culture. So the idea of, of five dire wolves, five children. You know, it's a sign that they can't ignore, no matter how dangerous they might think it is to actually keep the dire wolves. And it was yeah. actually a, it was actually a blessing for Jon Snow. It really yeah. was. I think. I think ghosts is the coolest thing ever. For all of them, well, yes, but especially for most, especially for Jon Snow. It's a fellow outcast. It's a friend, a companion. Um, I like. Well, I like Jon at first, but then as we got along, and he just kept, you know, whining, and complaining, and whining and complaining. He's a bit of a whiner. And, well, you gotta admit he's he's only fifteen. He has a good reason to whine too. But he's an emo <laughs> kid, and that gets old. I mean, well, really I think because well, he wears all black doesn't mean he's an emo kid. And I think yeah, what about the clean haircut and the mascara? What about that? I think at the I think I also had to remember was that he was a teenager, and from his standpoint, he came from he came from a situation where he was a bastard and he was mistreated. So he came thinking, you know, that he was mistreated and and he'd had it so rough, and then he went to the wall and. His life was a joyride Soft. compared to where everyone else had been. And he had to learn that just because he was a bastard didn't mean that he wasn't living the high life, you know, in a noble's home. Mm-hmm. Grass so, always greener, as they say. Yeah. Right. He you got know. a really sharp reality check. Yeah. And poor Samwell. Poor Samwell Tarly. I love Samwell. I like Samwell Sam is like one of my, he's like one of my favorite characters in the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. I bond with him more later personally, but he he's got some endearing qualities in the beginning. I mean, really at first does. he's like he's like the fat crying boy, but I mean, he really <laughs> 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 oh, <yes. laughs> 
It's well, really not very uh, attractive. Yeah. Well, he's, <laughs> he's a craven. He, he's a craven. He's a coward. And he admits it. And John comments at one point that the world is full of cowards who pretend to be heroes. It takes a queer sort of courage to admit that you're craven. Well, I mean, it takes a queer sort of craven to end up on the wall. Mm. Well, and I just, you know, I always, I always, you know, in my mind, I could immediately picture Samwell, you know, just the, the little fat kid, you know, with the tears rolling out of his eyes, you know. I always imagined it was Sean Astin. (laughs) Oh, God. No, 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 no. I pictured the dude from, um, oh, God. I pictured the little kid from Willy Wonka. The fat kid who played on the football team. Angus. I pictured the kid who played Angus. You remember that movie? Anybody? Prepare the Titans? Mm-mm. Sorry, in, in all honesty, I'm picturing Neville Longbottom, the fat-faced little boy who is no, never No, I Samwell is Samwell. Neville is like a, a rail compared to Samwell. But the same basic idea, the same concept, you know, the fumbling, you know, never gets anything right. Um, just, you know, you like him, but you feel bad for him. But Neville had the plants. Neville was good at something. And, and Neville at was... Fr- at first, courage too. Yeah, at first Samuel mm. had nothing. Eventually, so did Sam, though. Give him yeah. time, to be fair. Given, given time, he just had nothing at first, and he would just, that was the emo kid right there. <laughs> and you couldn't ever Cries figure... if you look crossly at him. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't, I just could never figure out how he ended up there. Even, you know, how he could have possibly ended up there, and how, who would have kept him there. Well, it was. Well, Lord no, Randall didn't want a fat prying kid, and his Lord Randall Charlie gave him no other choice. Him. <laughs> he took right. him out. You either hunting. go, or we're going to kill you. Yeah, right. He, he took him out so I understand that, but I, but I also like, think that that Mormont at some point could have. I mean, at some point, as you know, the commander of a battalion, you say, "Look, this guy is not fit for service." You know. Well, I think. Well. I can't remember where this happens, but I think that's kind of the good part about Jon Snow is he was able to, you know, he knows that Sam's not cut out for typical Nightwatch things. He's not good for ranging. He's not good for building. It's, you know, he's good for, I can't remember what they call what he does now. He's good for tending the birds and writing letters and doing sums and all that stuff. So, I mean, it, you can't yeah. go once, I mean, you can't, you can't turn back. So he's got to find somewhere to fit in. Yeah, John did, John did really help there. Yeah, he did a very I, good thing with Samuel. He would, he would, Samuel would have, would have died, I think, if he, if he hadn't been promoted, I guess you call it, uh, later in the book. If that, if that hadn't happened, he would have just been killed by the other the other recruits as he wallowed down there. That's yeah. John to protect him. Yeah. What did you guys think about the one-armed armorer? Do you guys remember him very well? Uh, Donald Noy. Very yeah, that guy was fellow. like, I pictured him as like a, a one-armed Mad-Eye Moody, just working down there. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he, <laughs> yeah, he was always like a little bit off of his rocker. But he was also a genius kind of at the same time. Like later on in the series, he gives great advice. You know, he's smart. He, obviously, he's clever enough to, you know, he was a royal smith before. Well, not a royal, he smith for the baratheons he you know he he knew his stuff he just you know because of his arm thing he had to go and right disadvantages yeah hey but the drummer from def leppard had one arm so right. he's making the most of it and um, they, and again that's just another another reason why you find out later on as you read through the books that 
you know, how did these people end up on the wall or, or how, because at first you think one thing about them and then later on you find out another thing about them and, and you wonder how they ended up where they ended up. Like Master Amon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that old guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's stop talking about things that are in other books. No, that's Dan Dan is. in the first well, book. You find out Amon's who he in the is. First book. You find out in that book, yeah. Yeah, he's he's in here. But what about Daenerys? What about her? <laughs> yeah. She's like she's I mean, she's technically like the second chapter, so it's really time to start talking right. about. Sorry, I, I missed something. I, I missed some things because my my phone wasn't my phone is plugged in and it wouldn't it wasn't like it was not charging, like the power was still going down we even talk, though it was We talked we talked a little bit about Samwell. Yeah. About my love for Samwell, Charlie. I like Sam. Yeah. yeah, about what how he's back? the blubbering fat kid. He's a good Would you believe that in even though I know they have nothing to like do with each other, in my head he's played by Dudley. Like he's played by the same <laughs> <laughs> like the, like the like Dudley as he appears in my head is the same like act quote unquote actor as Sam as he appears in my head. That would work. Yeah, that would work. I had it. Just I had him as the. Um, I had him as. As Augustus Gloop from Willy Wonka, <laughs> the first Willy Wonka. <laughs> what about Ethan Suckley from My Name Is Earl? Do you remember that guy? Do you guys know yeah. that guy? I don't like, know what when you're he was about. really fat. Now he's kind of thinnish fat, but now like back in the day when he, you know, he was really, you know, he was really kind of large. He could have done a good sandwich. husky. <laughs> he's a big dude, and we remember the Titans. I ate a baby. <laughs> but Daenerys, she's 13 years old. Yep. I really like her because oh, even she, from she the, oh. is easily my third favorite character. Yeah. She's right up there with me, mine too. But she's 13 years old, mm-hmm. and she's got this. Her brother's like 20, right? Her brother's an ass. Her brother. Oh, yeah. Her brother is. I have. How? I don't know how old he is. I think he was seven. Or so. okay. I think it was. I think he it's was ex- eight when she was born. I'm pretty sure. God, he does not. Act, he does not act feet. twenty. He acts about her age. I know. You know, I always assume smaller. Which I always assumed. Yep. Well, yeah, I was assumed that he was like two or three when they were exiled because he really does not act twenty. No, I'm looking really it up does. right now. I'm I'm looking at it because it, she says. Yeah, I know it must say. She says because they're talking about home and to Viserys. He has actual real memories. Yeah, he of remembers, Westeros. but Viserys, I still, Viserys I still thought a, he was maybe three. Yeah. No, Viserys no. had been a boy of eight when they fled oh, King's, Land, King's Landing My to God. escape the advancing oh. armies. He's twenty-one. But but Daenerys had only been a quickening in their mother's womb, so he was at least eight and a half or nine when she was born. Mm-hmm. He was already eight when they went to flee, and so, so he he's had twenty-one, twenty-two years old. He really yeah, doesn't a horrible act person. It. I can't believe. Was, I, to I, be I, fair, I can't believe he's my age or a year younger. To be fair, he was a crazy inbred. Yeah, bastard. he got the crazy <laughs> gene. I mean, yeah, but it also yeah. his age also explains why the two of them were able to wander around the eastern continent there and be entertained by yeah. all of these but, important people. Well, who was taking care of them, I always wonder, because, like, the mother dies having Danny, so you have an eight-year-old and an infant. The knights. The, um, the knights the knight. that were with them. They had, and then like, Illyrio. Mm-hmm. I just wondered where Illyrio came from. Pentos. He's, 
Oh, but yeah. what, I mean, how did he hook up with them? <laughs> I don't know. I think he ran into the night or knew the night or something. No. Uh, which night? Mormon? The night that stole him away from... Uh, oh, see, I thought oh. he didn't... No, Mormon, because Mormon didn't come on until Yeah, I was going to say, later. Mormon didn't come until later. She yeah. referred to him as the wise old knight. Like, he was he was an old guy. I can't remember what his name is, but... Sir Willem yeah. Dim... She yeah, remembers right. so, Sir Willem. Willem Derry, yeah. Willem Derry, I remember his name now. Yeah, and that's right. Oh, Before, yeah. She yeah. remembered one one night Sir Willem Derry and four loyal men had broken into the nursery and stolen them both, along with her wet nurse, and set sail under cover of darkness for safety of the Barbosian coast. An old guy. That took a lot of, for lack of a better term, it took a lot of balls to steal the princess and the, and the prince away. I mean, he's pr- protecting these kids. I mean, when you think of what what they did to, um, I forget what the other kids' names were, um, Rainus and Baby Aegon. I mean, you know, you, you just they're just kids. Well, that's one they guy too. That's, right. well, they're not, that's, the thing is, they're not just kids. They're a political statement, and they're you know a threat. Yeah. And it's one guy, Gregor Clegane, who who does. Yeah, that. but Robert, when Robert got the bodies, he didn't really. Well, he wasn't. Away. He wasn't complaining. No. No. He wanted the Targaryens hunted down and killed. So I mean, but I, but on the other hand, if Osama bin Laden. We found him today, and he was in a house and had fathered a one-year-old child that no one knew about. I think they'd take out the whole house. That's terrible. I think they would, though. I, on it, I mean, I'm just being frightfully honest. I think that's kind of a different scenario. I don't. Yeah, think but so. you can if you have if you're using you know swords and hand-to-hand combat. That's different than like if they're going to drop a bomb on the house or whatever. I mean, you, well, you I don't, have to I, kill those. I don't. Well, I don't see them taking. In my mind, when I when I see that happening, I don't see it happening with a bomb. I see them happening with some black ops mission and people going in and CIA wet team. Yeah, <laughs> I've watched my husband play too much Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know. Like, I know that there's a lot of messed up people, but to be able to take a, a kid away, you know, nursing kid away from the mother. Crack the kid's skull and then sexually assault the mother while well, you still I, got I, the kid's brain matter on That's all just Gregor Clegane. I mean, that's not probably. I don't yeah, think he, he is most definitely a sociopath. Yeah, he's he's not a very sympathetic character at I all. I mean, I I can sort of see Robert wanting them dead, but I don't think he wanted. I don't think he wanted that. Yeah. I mean, of course he didn't. You know, I mean, he wasn't complaining about what happened, but yeah. Honestly, baby, the result, just maybe the means. Yeah, baby Aegon's death was actually probably pretty quick and merciful in all honesty though um i mean it, it's awful anyway. it, it's absolutely awful thing to do but you know picking the poor what was inexcusable up, is what happened to Ilya. and swinging him against the wall and just dashing his brains out it's quick it's instant it's over i doubt he felt it yeah but just throwing that out all, there. Of, all of it was bad yeah. yeah it's one of those things you can uh, uh, even though i know it is it is you know, Gregory Gang, and he is a, he is a um, sociopath. Even even people who would normally be you know, very kind and very gentle in in times of war, you get this 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 bloodlust sometimes. That you you I read about. I've never actually experienced myself, but you know you 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 read and hear about things in World War II where people you know normal soldiers would become so inured to killing. You know they would kill people. Who were I surrendering? Could, or I who could were, 
I think so I can accept it's... that for Sandor. Uh-huh. I don't think I can accept it for Gregor. I think that he just really was screwed up. Oh, that's yeah, absolutely, he was screwed up. But I'm saying that the reason Robert didn't, you know, he, he why he wanted every, all of them to die was not because he's a, he's an, an awful guy necessarily. I think it's just because yeah, I think he. I mean, I think it had to be done for him to be secure in the throne yeah. because. I mean, yeah, they could well, have brought Aegon back. They could have put him on the throne. I mean, you know, obviously, oh, I mean, the way he's think, going after Danny and Viserys is telling you that mm-hmm. this is something Well, I think the reason that he, it was okay with him that they were gone is, is why, he, you know, he didn't say anything and why it was just okay with him was because they don't have to worry. There is no one to succeed the old line, and you just take everybody that might be a th- possible threat out, and then there's no question. Yeah. Well, I don't think, personally, I don't think that's what Robert's main motivation was, because if you listen to him, it was more of a, okay, you took from me, now I'm going to destroy every last piece of your family from the earth. And that's because of what happened with Leanna and, yeah. and everything else. He just, he wanted the Targaryens just gone. Not so much, I don't think he was afraid of them usurping the throne, because he knew he had a strong hold over it, and it would be a while before any of them would be able to usurp him anyway. It was mostly the whole personal vendetta he had against the dragon people, so, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably correct as well. But let's Yay. go back to Danny. We're in agreement. Yes. We're, were we, we talking about Danny? We were in, like, chapter two, the first Caitlin I know, but... chapter. <laughs> um, we we kinda... mentioned Danny. We, we, we did mention her. Um, she's got some serious strength of character for this young girl. I mean, she's 13. She's with her crazy-ass brother, and she's off in a place that she doesn't really know. And then when we meet up with the horse lords... And her brother's pimping her out. Yes. But, yeah, her brother and Ilrio are about to um, sell her off in marriage to a barbarian, and she doesn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. You know, at first I was kind of squicked. I was like, okay, this giant horse lord is about to get married and knock boots with this little kid. But after a while, it, it, Drogo kind of grows on you. At least he yeah. did for me. Oh, yeah. no, he grew he grew on me. But then I also you have to remember that back way, way back then when and then also, of course, also in third world countries, 13 is considered the minute you get your cycle, a woman yep. is considered available. Yep. Yeah, marriageable so, for the production of children. Right. Which is what sex should be for, darn it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> yeah. oh. Editor, can, can we just get a little snippet of Mike's sex ed lecture? <laughs> <laughs> no problem uh, at all. <laughs> we skipped uh, over the little two pager Caitlin chapter. Okay. Um, it, re- it really didn't it really didn't say anything other than that Robert showed up. Yeah. It's Ned. It's a, it's a real good character moment for Caitlin and Ned in the Godswood, and it gives us a hint of the system of worship that at least the Northmen and the Starks believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have what they call a Godswood, and it's described as a dark, primal place, three acres of old, untouched for 10,000 years, as the gloomy castle rose around it. It smelled of moist earth and decay. No redwoods grew here. This wood was a of stubborn sentinel trees armored in gray-green needles, of mighty oaks, of ironwoods as old as the realm itself. Here thick black trunks crowded close together, while twisted branches wove a dense canopy overhead, and misshapen roots rustled the soil. This was a place of deep silence and brooding shadows, and the gods who lived here had no names. 
first of all, really, I love you. Yeah, it's. I think it just highlights how, if you'll pardon the pun, that Kate, Kate really is a fish out of water. I mean, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> nice. She doesn't belong there. I mean, she doesn't. I mean, she wasn't even supposed to marry Ned. She was supposed to marry his brother. And I think this just highlights that she has always felt out of place mm-hmm. here. She's a I just tully. want to say that I just want to say that I just got the pun about the Tully fish out of water thing. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. The, the real question is: Would anybody have gotten that if you hadn't said pardon the pun? I would have. I think I would have. For those you know, who don't I'm, get the joke yet, the symbol of House Tully is a fish. Fish. When I, when we're introduced to Godswood and Winterfell, like the first thing that I thought of was like Fangorn Forest and the Lord of the Rings movie. How it was just kind of. Maybe the tree, the tree so was going to start talking. Yeah, I just pictured it almost exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Well, we see the godswood because whenever Ned takes a man's life, he goes into the godswood, seeks the quiet and the solitude. I don't think he's necessarily seeking forgiveness from his gods because he knows very well uh, the duties that he has to do, and he, and he carries them out without flinching. I think he just needs to think. Mm-hmm. He's cleaning oh, think, his sword. Oh, I think if that he... May- he ponders what he's done. I think he ponders the action of, of what he's done. I think he might even say some words over the life that he's taken and send them on to wherever it is that he believed that people went in death. And he had some peace for his own soul. And because I'm sure that Ed was a noble man, yeah. I think that taking a life would be a stressful thing for anyone and that he needed that solitude to pull himself back together. I also think it was probably hard for him because Bran was there because mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. very conscious of his children and he knew, you know, he, it, it wasn't a, it was a big deal and he never did it. I never took it that he always took it as a very serious responsibility mm-hmm. he was trying to teach his children that it was a serious responsibility it was never something that they should take lightly especially you know when he teaches them he's like you should do it in one strike mm-hmm. you should never have to take more than one strike you know that's unnecessary torture for the person that you're killing make it quick make it clean yeah right. you should have you should do it yourself. You should look them in the eyes. You should hear their last words. Right. You know, he's trying to instill his beliefs and and how he feels it's fair to carry out these sentences to his children. And I think that he, you know, there might have even been performance anxiety, kind of. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, but you know, you've got your kids watching you do that, and it's got to be stressful, you know, to think what 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 kind of what kind of man must they think that I am that I can stand up in front of these people and chop off another man's head? He's a good man because he doesn't enjoy doing it. Right. The duty and he, and he, he does it. But it, like you say, make it quick, make it clean. Don't take pleasure in it. This is not, this is something that must be done. There are necessary things that some men must do. This is one of them. You know, just from a parental standpoint, there are a lot of things that I never considered that now I have to look back and I have to consider what kind of what kind of example I'm setting for my daughter and it it can be very stressful at times so I can understand Ned's character I can empathize with him so I can understand why he would want to go to the godswood and he would want to seek refuge there after doing something like this 
or after anything that is particularly Gruesome. hard for him. Right. Let's make sure we teach our children to use really sharp blades when they're decapitating people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I really did appreciate that, you know, when he was telling the boys that, you know, when you do when you do this, you, you do it with a quick hand. You listen to what they have to say because it's the only thing that they're going to say. It's the last thing they're going to say, and they deserve to have a last word. But taking a life is not a small thing. Because I think I don't think that there were, you know, many other men at the time, as you know, this world was written, that would have told their sons that. I think it was just a Northman no. thing. Yeah. Maybe not even widespread there. Um, we, we don't really see it in other groups, but I mean, like with Robert, for example, he's got his headsmen, and you know, mm-hmm. every other lord sends people to do their bidding, but. You know, yeah, I think it, I think it mentions that Ned thing. is, or I don't know whether it's specifically Ned or would have been all the Starks before him too that do it. I think themselves. it's definitely a Stark thing, and it probably is a Northman thing as well because they seem to take sort of this pride in being Northmen and different from all the rest of the folk in the Southern Kingdoms. Of course, the rest of the Seven Kingdoms probably view all of themselves as different and special than, than everyone else. But the Northmen, they were, they're definitely different in the sense that they worship different gods. Most of the Southern Kingdoms, they, aren't they like they the worship, most recently, like, um, integrated kingdom of them too? The North? Yeah. But they were the wrong Well, I think what have, what it is, is that the North held out longer than the some of the southern ones when the you know first targaryens came but dorne was the last to be unified right down in the southern kingdoms there you have the worship of the seven and, and they the, do they have the god's woods generally they, they do but uh, but you get it's just, kind of like additionally i mean their main gods are the seven and they have a god's wood to have one but you don't get the impression that they worship no, yeah, they worship. Like how you'll have like, have like this tiny little mosque in a city here in, in you know in, in America, but you know, you know. So if you are a Muslim, you can worship here, but it's not really a very good place to worship. Yeah, I think it. I think it mentions. Cat mentions that the God's Wood was just a place to be. You know, you, I see you it go. as a pretty. I see it as their pretty little garden. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what she says. The God's well, Wood there was a garden. Bright and airy, where tall redwoods spread dappled shadows across tinkling streams, birds sang from hidden nests, and the which air is nothing, was spicy. Which is nothing like the God's flowers. Wood. Just no, nothing like nothing. the God's Wood in the north. Mm-hmm. And in the north, uh, at the center of the grove, there's an ancient weirwood, and they call it a heart tree. The bark is white as bone, leaves dark red, uh, and they carve a face in it. And these are the gods of the first men. You know, something I... Well, to backtrack a little bit, I hate to, I didn't want to interrupt you guys. Something I thought was really interesting about the way the religion spread is that when the Andals came, they're the ones that brought iron and steel and stuff like that. It was them that brought the uh, seven gods or whatever. And something I thought was really interesting is the fact that the reason it didn't spread to the north is that the Andals couldn't conquer the north because they were held at the neck and just, you know, it was really. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's why it really didn't become dominant or even relevant. Yeah. yeah, prominent at all. So, are we on the Eddard chapter yet? We kind of skipped. I mean, we did. We did talk about Danny. Um, we did discuss. Yeah, I think we're there now. Okay, okay. we're uh, the arrival of 
the rival, King Robert, Robert and his his um posse. Entourage. Entourage. The whole <laughs> day. I like that better. Seems like. Yeah. And as soon as they exchange formalities of greeting, the first thing the king says is, "Take me down to the crypt. I want to see my dead ex-girlfriend." Which is which is just screwed up and creepy, 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 creepy. Well, it depends <laughs> on how you look at it's it. Com- it's completely justified that Cersei slept with her brother. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because he still has a thing for his dead ex flame and I mean because because they haven't been on the they haven't been on the road for weeks. Weeks and weeks probably. I mean, how long would it take for them all of those people, you know, to get because the wagon has the the, the wagon a month. Two months maybe because they said that the size of the continent was roughly the size of South America. And if you think they're coming from like Brazil and driving up to Ecuador, I mean that's a pretty good ways. Yeah, it's pretty so, you know, so, th- so they've been so they've been traveling for ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In in the most uncomfortable way probably possible. And <laughs> the first thing that he wants to do when he gets off of his horse is walk down into a crypt and leave everybody standing there while he does it. Basically yeah, the whole reason the, he came there. The the first the first thing that I would want to do is take a piss. <laughs> Who's to say he didn't just, you know, slide it out the window of the cart and go do it? Yeah, I think you, I think he could do it whenever he wanted. Because I think if the king needs to go to the bathroom, I think they're going to stop. <laughs> they're going to pull over. They're going to find a Seven <laughs> Eleven with the gas station. Yeah, I guess the king's dad is not, you know, one of those guys that says we're not stopping. <laughs> yeah, he's the king. He he goes where That's he pleases, right. and you will you be know, honored I- if he chooses to piss on your head. I, but, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, seriously, though, I just, I can't imagine having traveled for that many days and for that long and just dismounting your horse or getting out of your carriage or whatever he did and just saying, let's go see a grave. Mm-hmm. And the climbing, I was down, actually... no, climbing down into that crypt, which was scary in its own right, because they have to go down into the dark and they've got a torch and there's all of those sculptures of all the dead people and they have to walk past all of the old Starks and all of their old swords and down, down, down and through, down deeper and, you know, and I'm just thinking it's Musty and there's spiders and Ew, spiders! I was actually, personally, I was kind of moved by that in a way because and I guess maybe I just like creepy people because, you know, Snape was also kind of a creeper but whatever. He just he, he went. <laughs> I mean, he the devotion years. is nice. The devotion is nice, but the very first thing when you get off the horse. Uh, I what do you mean, want him to, you know, outside of taking going to the bathroom? What do you, what do you, what would you say he should have done? It just my, just to satisfy my curiosity. You could almost, I think, you could almost argue that it would be very difficult for him, and he wanted to get it over with. Okay, I'll accept that. Yay. That was the only girl he ever really loved, though. I mean... Mm-hmm. He doesn't love Cersei. It was definitely a political match. Absolutely. He has no feelings for that bitch. Yeah. Oh, she's who a nice co- bitch. And who could? She's really smart. She's, Jamie. She's kind of hot. She's got a, she's got a very good... Uh, she's extremely hot. Girl. The problem is she knows it. Yeah. It's one of those girls. Mm-hmm. And what does Robert say about her? She guards her leg her, between her legs like she's got all the gold of Casterly Rock in there. 
<laughs> Robert has some of the best lines of this entire does. story. He does. He really does. Uh, See, Robert is such a fun king because he's like, what he is is he's like he is a frat boy that became. King. <laughs> That's he's like George W. Bush. It, but it's almost like you can't disparage him for turning into a fat slob because his wife was so terrible. That, you know, he almost had no choice but to go, you know, out and booze and eat himself to death. I mean, it's to like he became king appetites. and he didn't realize he didn't realize that being king is all about paperwork and trying to get this horrible woman pregnant. Isn't it? the? <laughs> that just reminded me of a saying that says the king eats and the hand takes the shit. And that just. Yeah, that's sort that's of like, like that's line. I swear to God, that was that was when I, I first that was when I first was like, this book is going to be good. Yeah. I really, now that we're talking about, well, we don't really see him until a little bit later, but it reminded me of, of Littlefinger. And, uh, uh, he is just a first rate. Go ahead. He's a great character, but he he's, is. He's multifaceted. He's definitely one of those I love to hate. Yeah. Oh, what? Sorry, I tuned out for a second. Peter. Littlefinger. 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 Yeah. Peter Baelish. He's, he's if, that, if that's a, a small ball. penis joke, then uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first chapter where we get to meet Tyrion. I, I love, love him. Tyrion. Tyrion is I was, great. I always said him Tyrion. Called him Tyrion in my head. I don't yeah. think I can get Tyrion. used to Tyrion. Tyrion. I don't think I can get used to some alternate pronunciation. Uh, whatever. Well, whatever. You are we from Maryland, have, after all. So we can all we, have we our own pronunciation. You know, there there are times through the whole series where I go back and forth between loving him and and disliking yeah. him and loving him and then hating him and then why and then not why and then, oh, that's the most fabulous thing you could have done. But he really, really, really does something nice for Jon Snow in this oh chapter. He, do, he does something very nice for Jon Snow in this chapter. And I, I even highlighted the quote because... You know, John is, John has just made a major gaffe. He's gotten drunk at the welcoming feast and said, I'm a bastard, you know, and <gasps> hush in the hall, you know, and <laughs> well, let's not be a big embarrassment. So now he's, you know, out sulking because he was a big embarrassment and he knows that he's got a. No an emo kid and he meets Tyrion and Tyrion says I'm Tyrion Lannister he says I know and he stands and he says you're Ned Stark's bastard aren't you John felt coldness pass right through him he pressed his lips together and said nothing did I offend you Lannister said sorry dwarfs don't have to be tactful generations of capering fools and motley have won me the right to dress badly and say anything that comes into my head. You are <laughs> the bastard, though. Lord Eddard Stark is my father, John admitted stiffly. Lannister studied his face. Yes, he said, I can see it. You have more of the North in you than your brothers. Half-brothers, John corrected. Well, let me give you some counsel, bastard, Lannister said. <laughs> never forget what you are, for surely the world will not. Make it your strength. Then it can never be your weakness. Armor yourself in it, and it will never be used to hurt you. That's really he, good advice. And then he says, what do you know about being a bastard? And he says, all dwarfs are bastards in their father's eyes. How could and you not love him? Seriously. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, I mean, I mean, it was really an amazing thing for him to say. He could have just walked by. I mean, because most of the Lannisters are just, 
mm-hmm. self-serving. Well, I think growing up as a dwarf, Tyrion definitely had a, a different viewpoint. He figured it out, whereas the other Lannisters accept the fact that they believe they deserve good things. Tyrion knows, you know, he's a vast disappointment from birth. He's known he's a, a vast disappointment. So he, he's developed a, a little bit of a different outlook on life. But I love how he just throws it back in his face. He's like, yes, you're a bastard. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And he tells him some men prefer not to face an unpleasant truth. Right. And so I I really liked Tyrion for making for for explaining that to John that you can be a bastard and still be a good man and you know to suck it up mm-hmm. because you don't have to you don't have to accept you know whatever lot in life you're condemning yourself to because you know your own low self esteem or whatever so the world is pain <laughs> yeah so yeah I guess he was being really emo there and blah 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 <laughs> and we have another we- cat chapter. I hate her. Where it's the- Everybody loves Kat. What are you talking about? In the, the John chapter here, do we want to say anything about uh, his relationship with Ben Stark? It was a little, I mean, it was kind of positive, I guess. Like, it was a positive yeah. influence, at least away from the wall, I mean, but... Ben's a nice guy. Yeah, we don't I, We don't know a lot about Ben. Unfortunately. We wish yeah. we do later on. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seemed really strange to me that there was this third Stark brother of yeah, the three Yeah, and that he, he basically, you know, went off to join the Wall, which I get the impression of is not really something that such rich people do that often. Mm-hmm. We also got to consider that Starks are definitely different in that regard, and, and they yes. would see it as an honorable thing. Uh, the in the John chapter... Oh, sorry, go ahead. The, the Starks and the Night Watch are definitely very intertwined. Mm-hmm. I just think, like, I mean... After with Brandon being dead, Ben is the second is now a second son, and I think I mean if he could have, I mean he must have really wanted to do this because it would have been very easy for him to find a you know better job somewhere else. The thing is though, once you swear the vows of the Night's Watch, you can never leave. Oh, did did he do it before um, Brandon Uh, died? I don't actually know, but that was my impression. Oh, okay, that makes that makes more sense. Well, yeah. well, I would I thought that too because otherwise, wouldn't he have been involved in the rebellion? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think he, you're probably he right. Definitely would have tried to avenge his sister. How old do you think he was? Wasn't he? Ned yeah, I always got brother? the impression that Ben was either was pretty significantly younger than Ned. I don't know. I mean, I Ned's eight, ever- Ned is given as being in his mid-30s, which would have made him roughly early 20s when this all went down. So Ben would not have had to be much younger than him to be too young to be involved. Yeah. Well, and said. too young, too young. I mean, it's not like he, I don't think it was. It wasn't like he had been up at the wall for years when this started because he was definitely under 20. I mean, he was or maybe Probably under 20. Uh, according to the Wikipedia page on how stark Benjen is Eddard's younger brother. Yes. Yeah, right. And Ed was, or I mean, Ed was, weren't they, I think, I want to say late teens when the war, it might have been early 20s when the war started. I think he, his age is given in the one of the earlier chapters as like 35 or something. I think it's actually this chapter. So that would make him This This cat chapter 22? we're on, I think he says how old he is. So he had to be 22 or 23 at the time. But I think he would have been up. 
Yeah, because I think he would he would have been up there already because he by was that old age, enough to have been with a woman. Because he says you to to John, you are a boy of fourteen, not a man, not yet. Until you have known a woman, you cannot understand what you would be giving up. <laughs> I'm immature sometimes, and that made me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> immature on Pufwa? Never. I Never. refuse to believe it. Never. Anyway, in the John chapter, mm-hmm. it's one of our first descriptions of Jamie Lannister. Right. And <laughs> once I read this description, I've not been able to get I've not been able to get Prince Charming from Shrek 2 out of my head. <laughs> I think like I said, like I think like I said that you know, the actor that plays Dudley in my head plays Sam. I think you have actually hit on the actor who plays Jamie in my head. I think it is Prince Charming from Shrek. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, really, he was more interested, more interested in the pair that came behind him, the Queen's brothers, the Lannisters of Caster, Casterly Rock, the Lion and the Imp. There was no mistaking which was which. Sir Jamie Lannister was twin to Queen Cersei, tall and golden, with flashing green eyes and a smile that cut like a knife. He wore crimson silk, high black boots, and a black satin cloak. On the breast of his tunic, the lion of his house was embroidered in gold thread, roaring its defiance. They called him the Lion of Lannister to his face and whispered Kingslayer behind his back. John found it hard to look away from him. This is what a king should look like, he thought to himself as the man passed. I have a question, actually, about his clothing. Isn't he a member of the Kingsguard? Why isn't he wearing white? White. I think that's showing, like, how defiant he is. Because you will see throughout this throughout the show, throughout the book, that the Lannisters, if they have some other affiliation that should take precedence over being a Lannister, they will not do that. Doesn't like, he I wear think, the like, cloak, if you'll notice, Yeah, he does, I think, sometimes. Yeah, he has a black like, cloak if you'll notice, on like, I think, um, I think with Joff, Joff has the, the lion and the stag are, like, equal on his thing. Yeah, his personal arms are, are both houses. You know, it's not enough to be king. He also has In to be a Lannister. Be his, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What a shithead. Yeah, yeah, but I just, as soon as I read that, I'm like, it's Prince Charming. <laughs> so, I pictured, like, I so pictured I, the same. Sorry, go ahead. So, so I always just see him, you know, like when Prince Charming at the beginning of Shrek 2, he's riding his horse, he's riding, 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 and he stops, and yeah, it is, it is number two, and he rides, 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 and he gets up there and into the, into the castle, and he pulls back the drapes, and, you know, the wolf is laying there eating bonbons, and he's, like, wisps his hair back, you know, like, fluff it, make it look good, and thinking that Fiona's there and finds the wolf, and he's just shocked, and I'm thinking, it's just Prince Charming. Kind of irrelevantly ironic that it's a wolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. All right. All right. So, where are we? Are we in the next Caitlin chapter? Um. Yeah. Where they're in their bedroom talking about okay. going to King's Landing and making him the king's hand, um, marrying Sansa to Prince Joffrey, which is definitely very political. But you know, that's what she was always destined for—some noble marriage to bring alliance between houses and make sure that they don't start killing each other. Cause I think it's regarded as very bad form to make war on your family. Yeah. It's a little bit. And I think it makes sense since, you know, Ned and Bob, as Ryan calls him, Ned and Bob. That's so tight. wrong. 
It's <laughs> what Ryan <laughs> calls him. Well, that's why he's having trouble getting into the book. If he I calls think of him as Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, you can't call him Bobby. He, <laughs> he, he's not a Kennedy. <laughs> but this is the chapter where we find out one of the major plot points of the of this book. This is this is where we find out why Eddard is going to be asked to be the hand of the king. Because the because John Aaron is dead. Is because dead. John Aaron is dead. And he was previously the hand of the king, and his wife, uh, the name just flew right out of my head. Lysa. Uh, Lisa Tully? Lysa. I wanted to say Lysa. Lysa. I said Lisa. Whatever. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa and John and Bob and Ed. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa suspects that he was murdered. Um, she doesn't know But then why. again, she's nuts. Apparently, she's nuts. Um, not regarded as mentally stable. It's the altitude. Uh, most of <laughs> yeah. Oh, on the subject of the altitude, can I just say that the cells in the sky are the scariest? The sky cells? Yes. Oh. I cannot. I cannot. Like, the sky cells are, like, programmed to just completely. I, I'm not really afraid of heights, but I have this fear of uneven surfaces. Uh-huh. It, Could it, you imagine? Like, I have, I have such balance. I have, like, you know, fear of balance issue yeah oh that sounds so terrifying this is understandable i mean it's a cell as normal but there's no back wall to it it just opens out onto empty air and, and the floor is slanted, slanted. yeah, yeah. And if you can't, pretty amazing uh, jail cell there yeah, yeah. i have you never could seen you can escape if you, someone, mm-hmm, if you want to if you want to i've never seen a jail cell that someone would want to stay in so badly had no thoughts of this camping. Uh huh. Absolutely none. You could have a pretty rad time making paper airplanes and throwing them out of that thing, though. <laughs> if you had the paper fun. to do it. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> Send messages, come rescue me, bring a crane. <laughs> <laughs> bring the long ladder. <laughs> yeah. I, have Im- I have this image of, like, you know, oh, a Lannister send, send a ladder to rescue his son who's being held captive here and then they come and they put the ladder up and it's like 10 feet too short jump sorry <laughs> jump, jump i'll catch you i promise that'd <laughs> have to be like a i don't know like 700 foot ladder that seems so big well, look, i'm sure i am sure down in casterly rock i'm sure the lannisters have a fire truck <laughs> <laughs> And you got to get up there because there's three different gates you have to get through to yeah. get up there, and gates of the moon or something they call them. That place sucks. I'm just saying, the Irie is really kind of awesome, and it has this. Where would you want to live if you had to live in one of the places? Where would you want to live? River Run. Me too. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Let's see. Choices, choices. It just seems so, you know, like Babbling Brook is, you know, between yeah, so rivers. Babbling Brook, it's the three biggest effing rivers in the country. <laughs> well, I said between rivers and redwoods. Like, I think River Run must be like Northern trees, California. Trees and rolling, rolling hills, and I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't like want. I wouldn't want Winterfell. But, uh, I don't know. Winterfell itself is pretty hot because of the, they built it over a hot spring and like yeah. plumbing and they. I would uh, if if I had to live at Winterfell, I'd want to live in Caitlin's room. Yes. Yeah. 
most definitely. I think either my, Casterly Rock or Pike. Pike sounds kind of neat. Casterly Rock, most definitely, because of all the gold. Although I think I would actually really like it down in Dorne. Yeah, I think Dorne would be fun to visit. It's like a desert, though. King's I mean, Landing there's also a mountain. King's Landing would be disturbing. No, I think King's Landing, you know, after I learned so much about King's I Landing. I would want to visit and then not live there. It reminds yes. me of, like, going to India or something. Eh, you know, like, all what? the filth and the masses, and the only thing decent there is the is the castle itself. And just well, we would, like, we, would, we would go to the castle, because, I mean, obviously, in my imagination, we're... You're obviously ability. not some poor bastard. We're no royalty <laughs> or something. Some kind. We're not going yeah, to go. gonna go and eat rat soup. <laughs> no. You're not going to nick bread down on flea bottoms. So. You got rat. Hey, you're lucky. <laughs> That's a Rats. good day. Heard the pigeons. <sighs> pigeons are delicious. Apparently, never thought about eating a pigeon until this this book. The rats in the sky. You got to pull, pull all the buckshot out of it, Tim. Mm. <laughs> you guys we, aren't country enough. We finally meet. We finally hey, meet. I'm a Ar- little more country than that. <laughs> we finally meet Arya. Yes. Arya is my favorite character. Arya is really cool. She, she is my in, in this, my this in this in this in this so far. Arya is my favorite character. She's definitely and a tomboy. I almost. I can't believe I almost forgot about my beloved Davos. And Davos. And <laughs> the whole book. In the whole book, Arya is my favorite character. Yeah. Through the whole she series, gets, she's my favorite. She becomes cool later, in my opinion, but at the beginning, I'm just kind of like she's this nine is a years old. Little kid. She's a little girl. She's a little girl, and she has to face a lot of situations that a little girl that small would normally just cave to. And she has got—I mean, she has got some spunk. spunk. She is a Stark. She, yeah. yeah, she's got a lot of the North in her, uh, and she. I think her father sits her down at one point and says, you know, you know the family words. Winter is coming. All of this foolishness, this childishness, this needs to stop. And she listens. She takes her father very seriously. She takes being a Stark very seriously. You know, whereas then, her I, sister is a complete pissant. Ditherhead. At this point. I find no love always. for Sansa. I find no, no I, love for Sansa, ever. I do not lo- like Sansa. By the end, I love all. Sansa. I think... She, well, I mean, I don't want to talk about all four books, but I think then don't. I think she has <laughs> a lot of potential. To, now you sound like I mean, Ryan. I don't want to spoil, but blah blah blah. Spoiler. I think at this she, point, she. I mean, she's just a kid. I think you can't fault her for being anything other than a typical thirteen-year-old girl. Yeah, she's a kid with stars. Let's try thirteen-year-old girl. There's lots of children that don't behave that well. She's yeah, been raised she on has... fairy tales and stories of knights and tournaments and valor. I mean, she really has been raised as though she were in the South, but she's not in the South. She's of she's in the North, but she's not of the North. But right. she's she's, con- she's she's confronted with a lot of a lot of things where she makes the wrong choices. She makes a lot of wrong choices. She makes which a lot. Of- I honestly can't blame her because. Well, she makes really? I would like to see you do better at 13 years old. Yeah, I was just about to jump into that. She obviously has not been taught family very well because what are the Tully words? Duty, family, and honor. She exhibited absolutely none of those when she went running to Cersei Lannister. 
No, she Absolutely. killed her father essentially. She did. I she had she had no loyalty to her family whatsoever. Or to her sister either when they had the whole thing with the yep. direwolves and Her Jodhry. wolf was the first to be killed, which essentially kills Sansa as a Stark. Yeah, it really does. It's very symbolic. I mean, the death of Lady symbolizes the moment that Sansa stopped being a Stark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I think you yeah. could argue maybe that because after that, she kind of, well, she doesn't really see the light, but it's that point is kind of a turning point. Because you can tell just by the way she behaves and how she acts that, you know, up until she sold her father up Shit's Creek, she was, you know, she was coming round. She was being slightly better about things. And I don't know. I think it was a tipping point. It took a while for her to finally come into herself, if you will. But, you know. I mean, I, yeah. I I have a lot of sympathy for her. I don't. I don't. I still don't either. I just... It's going to surprise absolutely no one to hear me say this, but you don't turn on your blood. You don't betray the family. No. I I mean, your family can diss you pretty... I mean, they can hurt you pretty badly. Mm -hmm. But getting them killed, especially... I mean, absolutely, what she does in here is, is is unforgivable or difficult to forgive. And but I think, yeah, uh, there is hard to like Sansa at the end of this book. And she, and she just, and she was going through a lot of situations in this book that she should have wanted to distance herself as far away from the Lannisters as possible. I would have thought. Mm -hmm. And she just continued to keep, she just held on to the hope of her and Joffrey for too long. Her fantasy. It was not reflective of all at all of reality. She knows that, but she's clinging to this picture in her head. Saying, well, it, Joffrey's it can really an asshat. Like- yeah, and she doesn't even see that. I mean, you know, I mean, she she's just completely blinded by who he is. Golden yeah. curls and princely ways, and his pretty green eyes, bastard. Well, yeah, <laughs> quite true. I mean, he appearance-wise, he seems very royal and regal, but. Based on his behavior, obviously. He's a horrible human being. Mm -hmm. In other words, he's a typical prince. (laughs) (laughs) Touche, sir. Touche, indeed. Well, I was going to say, as far as Sansa goes... Aaron, you had a point about... Sansa, I I agree that uh, she's not very uh, sympathetic as a character. But I I feel like I have have a lot of pity for her. she's, She's still very much a child. And... It's really, you know, you can chalk up a lot of her her things to just this, you know, this this kind of what's, what's the word? This this kind of you know, they were saying the fantasy about Joffrey being this, you know, this noble. It's or it's naivety. I mean, na- naivete. She's she's exactly. just so very naive. And I think I honestly think that people most of the reason people dislike Sansa is her um, juxtaposition with Arya. I think if people didn't like Arya so much, and if Arya wasn't as strong as she was, then I think people would be more sympathetic to Sansa. It's really yeah, easy I have to a like Arya too. She's she's spunky, whereas Sansa's very uh, uppity and very hoity-toity. You know, I, I hate to lady. She's proper. I hate to sound I hate to sound combative. I'm really not trying to be, but when I when I try to rationalize most of what you said there, I keep thinking, okay, she's a young girl. When you're 13. You would think that at least, I guess, on average, like you would have a stronger bond, like with your parents, with your family. Like they would, you know, like we were talking yeah. earlier, they would come first to you. Like your parents are it for you, you know, when you're a younger kid. But then, you know, all of a sudden, she just, you know, goes to the queen, 
kind of starts really she's a she didn't start everything but she helps tip over one of the most important dominoes it just starts all types of stuff that if she had just she had no con- i don't think she had any real concept of what she was doing yeah or she thought she was just you know trying to save herself by expressing loyalty to the current regime you know like if it i mean she doesn't oh. know what ned was doing i mean if ned was actually a bad guy if you I mean, ask me she just well. doesn't know <laughs> I'm kind of biased against Sansa, but I took that more of a, you know, you said I can't have something and I want to get it anyway, so I'm going to do what I can to do so. Like a typical kid who has been told no by their parents and they just don't like it, so they're going to try to get it some other way. The queen is more powerful than her father politically wise, in her opinion, so like I'm going to go to the queen because I'm going to get what I want, whatever. And then she, (laughs) you know. Yeah. I got a a lot of that feeling that she was... She was manipulating, but her her teenage manipulating was so destructive. She was so stupid and so destructive. She didn't need to be. She didn't need to be. I don't understand, though, why she couldn't bear the thought of being dragged away from Joffrey when at every turn, Joffrey is just demonstrating what a horrible human being he is. Like, he suggests that she's tired and that he's going to walk her back to her quarters, and she's like, oh, yes, that would be nice, a walk alone with my prince. How lovely. And then he just summons one of his men and says, take her back. And I, I have no more use for her. I think yeah. it was Sandra yeah. Clegane. Mm-hmm. That's actually <laughs> the instance where he tells her how he was burned. Right. Mm-hmm. Something that nobody else knows. How messed up was that, by the way? Jeez, how do you do that to your little brother because he was messing with your toys? Because you're Jesus. Gregor Clegane. Yeah, you're Gregor Clegane. You're a sociopath. <laughs> and you have serious, serious, serious psychological problems. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Maybe bad genes or he was just crazy or what? I mean, wow. Chemical imbalance in the brain. How would they know? Yeah, I have. That's just. He was probably killing puppies when he was a toddler. I mean, I mean, he's, I mean, he would, he's like one of these kids. I mean, if this was modern times in the real world, he would like be a serial killer. Yeah. It's just that because this is a culture that has a place for somebody like that. And that's being a knight who bashes people's head in and kills babies. Then yeah. he has a job. <laughs> that's terrible, but true, but terrible. I still kind of like him from a weird point of view. They're like, he does a lot of bad stuff, but as a character, he's, I think he's fun. 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 Yes, yeah. fun with Gregor. <laughs> that's a strange. No, like that's a strange modifier. Like, well, one part. I think I think I have this image from like like he's just like this big lump in my and like I can't imagine that fun and Gregor like are the same on the same you, page. You said you said fun with Gregor, and suddenly I picture like this the. The beginning of some like toddler show on Sprout, some like some like mean looking. Well, his version of fun, yours or his? With balloons in his hand or something, you know, (laughs) like Bozo the Clown, you know, like. like, I can't imagine him like talking in anything other than like he talks like the Hulk, like you know, like he's like Gregor Smash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fun with Gregor. Fun. <laughs> well, well, you might, well, you might not know about Gregor, though. He's actually really pro at a, a double Dutch jump rope. And, awesome. Um, you know, <laughs> awesome. I must have missed that chapter. Good to know. It's a hidden <laughs> chapter. I think it's in the appendices under, uh, you know, when they're talking about the houses. 
Oh, and, and, he, and he likes Napa wines and um, <laughs> exotic cheeses and all types Gregor's of things. Gregor's hobbies include <laughs> long walks, long on, walks the on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Killing of infants. Tasting wines. <laughs> raping people. Model shipbuilding. <laughs> and then smashing. <laughs> smashing children's brains. Oh, what a delightful man. So, back to the chapter. The... He got his education at <laughs> Greenfield Correctional. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> the next thing we have in, in the current chapter we are on is the sword play down in the yard between various individuals and Prince Joffrey and... Sir Roderick! Oh, Sir uh, I like him. Roderick. He's, he, he's a... A wiry old bastard. I just really like him because he's just, especially <laughs> later on. He, I don't know. I really like Sir Roderick, and I can't really explain why. I just think he's. I don't know a, either, but I liked him from the very beginning, and I was always thought of him as Sir Roderick. <laughs> just like that, like Sir Roderick. Sir Roderick. I did. I was just like Sir. I think he's a contestant. Contestant on the prize is right. <laughs> I did. It was just like every time he came on, come it on was, down, <laughs> Sir Roderick. You expect to see him walking up by Bob Barker, or I guess Drew yeah. Carey now. He's, jump, he's jumping up and down. Oh, right. I, I just always, you know, I just always, <laughs> I compare him to, you know, some of those old guys in Florida that I see walking around, you know, with their shorty, short, jogging shorts on and their little flip-flops, you know, they're all, like, toned hey. up and in good health. He's, re- he reti- he's retired and fired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sir you Roderick's know, the, cooler than that. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the cool ones. I'm talking about the cool ones. They've gone down there and they're, you know, playing tennis or and they run out, dash out to get whatever and you know, they're all they're all cashed out. And Sir Roderick, he he reminds me, especially in the later books, of just how if he didn't have to wear chain mail, he'd be he'd be out in his rubber thongs and little jogging shorts and He'd have a nice tan, and he'd be. I'm picturing you know, him now, like getting all the way. Now, <laughs> I don't know how, but when you started talking, I picture him now on like a white beater, some capris, and some Chuck Taylors, just walking around. <laughs> I could see him, you know, with like <laughs> with one of those things, like Dumbledore's beard, <laughs> like one of those rings in his beard, like Dumbledore. <laughs> He's gambling. No, don't say that. Dude, no. (laughs) Oh. Hey, Scamben, yes, precious. You know, but he's got, you know, beard jewelry, you know, and he's got, you know, maybe an (laughs) earring. Nice stud going on in his ear, you know, but he's just cool. I don't know. He seems kind of grumpy a lot of the time, though. Well, wouldn't you be grumpy if you had to wear a suit of armor all the time? He's a knight. Tell him to man up and stop being a baby. He's not Jon Snow, for God's sake. <laughs> he's he's he a senior. Picked a different he's a, job. He's a senior citizen, dude. If he's lived he that long, he has earned the right to be grumpy. He should have got he, really fat and went to work for Ma- Maester Aemon like Sam did. Right. Well, you know, I'm not. I'm sure that life expectancy at this point in this world is, is way past where Sir Roderick is. So the fact that he's uh, made it that far and is still a knight and he's still swinging his sword and wearing his chainmail, I think it's pretty impressive. And I wonder what you think about Sir Barristan, then. The Kingsguard, the commander of the Kingsguard, he's like ancient. 
Yeah. Three kings. Well, you wonder in this place, like how, like if somebody is like ancient, you wonder how old they really are. Since <laughs> Ned is thirty-five. Well, but then that's kind of explained later on. I picture people as having like, you know, regular length lives. Well, not we find out. We now. find out how old Master Amon is, and he, because we find out who his father is, and we can extrapolate based on that how. When he was born, or thereabouts, based on his brother's age. He's like a hundred years old, right? Is he really? I thought he was younger than that. Yeah, he's. Because they go on and on about they go on and on about how ancient he. Hang on, I have to find this. I have to find the chapter. It's the last last John chapter in the book. I think you could look in the back. Isn't there a thing about Targaryen? It doesn't say. It does say um, the different Targaryens' dates, but I forget which one is Aemon's brother. Well, he's. I mean, there's five because his brother was Aegon the Unlikely that became All king. All right, then okay, Aegon was. I guess this is the date they started ruling. So Aegon started ruling in 233. So that was roughly 70 years ago. I mean, 65, 70 years ago. So Master Aemon is probably in his late 70s, early 80s, which was probably be ancient for. I think he's older than that because when he was offered the kingship, he was, you know, he had already forged like two or three circles on his maester's chain. So he had to have been, mm-hmm. I don't know how old he was, but at least like 25. Mm-hmm. And that, that was about 70 years ago. So that would make him 95 if my math is correct. Okay, that, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, that, that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty old. I'm thinking he was close to 100, but then it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying like they in they seem to think that he's unspeakably old. Like they act like he's the oldest person ever. Well, he is. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I would buy that as being in this you know in this what they have. I would buy ninety five as them thinking he was yeah unheard unheard of old. Dear old Maester Eamon. I love that guy. Are we back at Danny or Needle? John gives John gives Arya Needle. <laughs> Stick them with the pointy end. <laughs> yes, I love that. Good I, advice. I love, I love John and Arya's brother sister relationship because I feel like I feel like Arya is the really the only one that regards John as her brother. I mean, Rob being close in age, he and Rob are probably close-ish, but you know, Sansa definitely doesn't think of him as a brother. Can we talk about some of the theories that were circling Lyanna and? No, no, stop talking. <laughs> Stop talking. Now. Well, that's that's all. You can debate all of that from from inside, from evidence you've got inside. Do you really? Do you really think so? Because I did not start thinking that until yeah. until I didn't. I will say this because you'll know what I mean. But it wasn't until Mira's story that I started thinking it. Who's Mira? Oh, you talking about the the girl yeah. in the veil? No, I'm talking about. Spell it. I think we have a pronunciation. M e is she M e M e e r. A? I don't remember that name. Uh, is that Howard hey, Reed's the... daughter? Yes. Okay. Oh, the okay. one in the tower? Is that the one in the tower? No. She tells the story, and that's where I figured it out from. And I don't think you have enough to figure it out until you get there. Yeah, let's not take the chance. Let's just carry on. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't. I, there's no conspiracy theories of any or theories of any kind you can 
get in, out of the first book that I could tell. At least I didn't. I can. I didn't think of anything. Although you could, you could guess that maybe there would be something coming up because they talk about it so much. Yeah. They talk about her. But He's back to John and Arya. We mentioned earlier about the crossing of the arms and, and so forth. Um, this is where that conversation is, and John suggests that Arya do the same thing and wed Tully to Stark in her arms, and she says, "A wolf with a fish in its mouth? That would look silly." <laughs> it made me laugh. And it made her laugh. Yeah, I, I'm having difficulty finding things to talk about in, in this part of it in yeah. the book because maybe yeah, there's the next chapters. Well, I think the Danny wedding. Yeah. yeah, I think the most the biggest thing there is just that John gave Arya needle, and yeah. that's just a pretty big thing. The Danny wedding. Oh my god. Just one last thing about needle, if, if that's okay. When I first heard needle, like when they were talking about it, I pictured it as. Like the exact same sword that Bilbo gave Frodo in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I had that. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Okay, you're starting to talk about Daenerys. I There's like three chapters in between there, though. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. No, Needle? Are you kidding? John gives... Dan- gives John gives Danny Needle. John gives Arya Needle a page before the Danny wedding begins. No, there's a chapter with Bran, and there's yeah. a chapter with yeah. Tyrion. What? Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding? No. No. Okay, I have the I have a Bran and a Tyrion before that John chapter. No. My book goes Bran, Tyrion, John, Danny. Danny starts on page ninety nine. Hardcover. What 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 does your book look like? It's hardcover. Arya, Bran, then Tyrion, then John, then Daenerys. Yeah, Aaron has my book. My book is gray with blue blue print and or blue print on the cover, and it has a picture of John on a horse on the front. Mine's gold, and it just has a dire wolf on the front. That's mine is, too, actually. Mine is, too. My my book has the branch chapter that starts with the hunt left at dawn. Yeah. Mine is Arya, then Bran. Yeah, Yeah. Arya, then Bran. Then it has Tyrion Tyrion. starting somewhere in the Great Stone Maze. And then it has John's John Climb the Steps. Uh And then it has Danny Daenerys Targaryen wed Khal Drogo. Yeah. Right. So... We're right, but we're we're skipping over the Bran chapter and the oh. Tyrion chapter. Yeah, but we had the talked about that. The chapter, though. Uh, okay. Let's just go to the wedding. Jeez. Yeah, but don't we really need to talk about <laughs> what happens to Bran first? Yeah, yes. I, I think, I think so. we discussed yes. that. This is the chapter where a child gets chucked out a window. Yes. Oh, and it's so let's talk about that. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is where <laughs> this is where Bran finds Cersei and Jaime doing the nasty. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't understand what's going on. He thinks Why are they, they wrestling, wrestling naked? What's going on? <laughs> He's exactly. hurting her. She's moaning. Just like any little boy yeah. who comes across adults engaging in sexual activities. Um, How is he being a creeper anyway? Sneaking down, looking in through the window. That's weird. Well, he, he was climbing. <laughs> climbing and he heard something in a place where he'd never heard anything before. Yeah. He shouldn't have been climbing either. How long have they told him not to do that? Well, he was... He starts listening. Are you, are you justifying Jamie's actions, Richard? Yes, partly. Just like you know, because I mean, granted, you know, I'm not br- saying climbing in my window. I better chuck him out. I'm not yeah. saying he should have done it, but I'm just saying there's a little bit of a thought process behind it. And as you get to know James, you know why he did it. Well, sort of why he did it. Because he doesn't want to find out that he's been doing his sister. Yeah. Well. 
I mean, and if you're going to kill the kid, you should have just killed the but... kid and chucked him out the window, not chucked him out the window and I mean, took chance this is not exactly CSI Westeros. I think they wouldn't know if he was killed before he fell. If Old he broke his neck and threw him out, out you would think he broke his neck in the fall. You couldn't run him through with a sword or anything like that. Though, and then yeah, well, yeah. Him. No, but I think that Jamie was big enough and strong enough to break his neck pretty quickly and just chuck him out the window. Well, it was pretty high, though, right? Like, I mean, he probably didn't have any clue that he could have probably I think it, it says something that Jamie couldn't do it with his own hands. I mean, he, he had to throw him out the window and take the chance he would die, which obviously didn't happen. Just he, the he whole... shouldn't have pushed him out the window, but then again, he shouldn't have had his nosy ass poking in through there. But whatever, I mean, you know, you can look at it however you want. Well, I think the first thing we start with is that Jamie should not have been having sex with his sister. Yeah. There's that. They, they well, what's so wrong been, with that? They should have been discussing their secret <laughs> evil plans. With the window open. <laughs> With the window, <laughs> With the window open. Granted, yeah. they're really high off the ground, aren't they? Like the third floor or something? I mean, it shouldn't be that big of a deal, I guess. They were in a, they were in a tower. He, yeah, I thought he was, was on the tower. roof. I mean, it's a huge castle, and he's on he the roof. He was on the roof, and he goes up there. He always goes up there to see the gargoyles. Well, had he not I mean, been up there, I still feel like this is not the yeah, kind he, of business he's moving he from about gargoyle with the window to open. gargoyle with the ease of long practice, and he hears voices, and he almost falls off because it. The first keep has been empty his whole life. He never expected for anyone to ever be in there, and it it surprises him. And so he's just like, I wonder who could possibly be in there. So he crawls over there, and he hears him talking about his father. So, like any good boy, he starts listening. And then or he maybe doesn't. He should have told his dad, then he could have caught him, and then it would have been over. And then there would have been no book. So I guess it makes sense. Sorry, Why? because they would have they would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that meddling kid and that and his dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> With those damn kids and that dog. What's well, Bram Stoker's name? I can't remember. The Summer. Bar- At this point, he doesn't have a name. This is the first thing he says when he wakes up. His name is Summer. 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 I'm sure saying it really flamboyantly, like his name is Summer. You know, it's just really <laughs> kind the of- song of ice and fire in the musical. Very friend of Dorothy. <laughs> oh, Lord. Short, okay. Short. So we talked about, and then we talked about Needle already. Right. And now so we can talk about Danny. Did, yeah, Danny. The Danny the, wedding. The Tyrion chapter? Which is, the Tyrion chapter is just basically establishing that Bran is alive. Well, that, oh, establishing uh, that Bran is alive and Tyrion catches the significant glance between yeah, between <laughs> Cersei and Jamie. Between uh, Cersei and Jamie, and he realizes that something they know he something. has read a paradigm of uncertainty, and he knows what a significant glance means. Yeah, charm <laughs> right. on everyone in the room. Right, and he he knows that something good is not afoot. The thing that I really liked here is that Tyrion tells Joffrey that he really ought to go call on Lord Eddard and his lady and offer them his comfort, and he just says, "Well, what good will my comfort do them?" And Tyrion says, "None." Yet is it yet it is expected of you. Your absence has been noted, and Joff mouths off, and Tyrion slaps him. Yes, I love that. And he says one word, and I will hit you again. And he says, <laughs> "I'm going to tell mother." So he hits him again. 
And he says, you go tell your mother. But first, you get up there and you humble yourselves before them and say that you're at their service if there's the slightest thing you could possibly do for them. Tyrion is the best parent these kids have. Oh my god, yes. It, it's little moments like that where Tyrion's just common decency. And I, mean, I don't even he know is, I mean, decency, he's, a, he's a good uncle. He's awesome. He recognizes that this is about appearances, and even if you don't actually feel this way, you are expected to do this, and you will do it because you are a Lannister, and you always do what is expected of you in this regard. This makes me remember, can I share a quote from the second book if it doesn't spoil anything at all whatsoever? No. Type it to me. Oh, come on, just let him give it. All right, Aaron, go on. Music. It's not a big, it's just, it's something we already know. Well, okay, it's when he says, I take the headphones off for 60 seconds, okay? You can talk about it with spoilers for 60 seconds. Ready, set, go. Okay, all I wanted to say was there's a quote from book two, or it might be book three, where somebody's talking to Lord Tywin and he said, Lord Tywin, I know you like Jaime or whatever, but Tyrion is really your son. Like, he is, he has the brains and everything, so. And I really, I can't remember the exact thing, but. That's the part I really liked. Yeah, I don't remember what book that was either, but it was true. Because Tyrion is awesome. If you put Tyrion's brains like into Jaime and just like his thought process, he would be an unstoppable it. force of yeah. Lannister. Of Lannister shininess. Yes. <laughs> mm, yeah. They're very shiny. Mr. Shiny Shoes. All right, no more spoilers. We okay. already dis- yeah, we're on Just the John chapter. Time. We already discussed the events between him and Lady Stark. Should we talk about the guy who tried to come in and kill Bran that's, after the fact? But that's, that's not yet. That's, that's later. later. Yeah. All right, so now we have the wedding, which is very interesting. And apparently the Dothraki have no sense of modesty or shame, and they will engage in sexual conduct right in public in the middle of the wedding. This fic is rated ah. Yep. Um, and apparently if it, three people haven't died by the end of the wedding reception it wasn't worth going. <laughs> yeah, it was boring. <laughs> and It's especially exciting awesome. because we get a full dozen people are dead and a great many are injured. <laughs> Sounds like a southern pig picking almost. Yeah, it really does. This is where Sir Dora Mormont comes in and he becomes, you know, like part of Danny and Viserys's entourage. Entourage. Posse. Crew. Crew. Yeah. And this is also where Viserys shows some more of his true colors in regards to when he's going to get to be king. He just can't um, wait to be king. Just wait <laughs> to, be king. to be king. king. <laughs> he shows no cultural sensitivity throughout his time Gar- with the Dothraki. He shows no sensitivity full stop. <laughs> yes, and actually that's, Sir, that's Sir Jorah, true as well. Sir, Sir Jorah tries to counsel him about not insulting Khal Drogo about pushing, about taking his army to Westeros to get his kingdom back. Mm-hmm. And and he says, you've waited most of your life, great king. What's another few months or another few years? I counsel you to be patient, your grace. The Dothraki are true to their word, but they do things in their own time. A lesser man may beg a favor from the call, but must never presume to berate him. Viserys bristled, guard your tongue, Mormont, or I'll have it out. I am no lesser man. I am the rightful lord of the seven kingdoms. The dragon does not beg. That's like, what I just... he is. He's the beggar king. He's yeah. totally unwilling to, to beg king. at all. Yeah. But he, did, he does beg. He begs everything. Yeah. He has nothing of his own. He contributes no worth. His only trick is the fact that he happens to be the rightful heir to the Iron Throne, if you want to put it that way. 
And at this point, his only real worth, other than the fact that he is the rightful heir to the throne, is his sister. Right. And he's, yeah. he's, he sees it as the other way and He around. can't do anything. He, he just needs to marry his sister to somebody powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really the other way around. She's, she, she's the one who has the power to take him places, and he's not seeing that. Mm-hmm. So he just is an asset of the 22nd degree 21st 22nd however old he yeah. is that's how many degrees it yeah. is it gets worse yeah. he's, he's yeah degrees as in you know like hot like dragons no i mean uh, i heard in my brain i heard diggeries like cedric dig- i was like really what i heard dickery like he's a dick and he practices dickery <laughs> well, he's <laughs> he's trying to find an army well and he's very abusive to danny you know and it's almost like he says it right before the wedding you know you better go screw him well because He'll chuck us out because he—you've got a job to do, you know. And she's thirteen, and she's scared to death. Yep. I mean, I can just imagine being that young, and you know, supposedly she's just a wisp of a thing, you know. She and this just guy is so wrong. huge. Like I, I'm picturing Danny's like you know four foot nine, and Drogo's like six five, and like yeah. built like a linebacker. Yeah, yeah, he's built like a linebacker, and he's got this, these long braids, long. <laughs> bells and i'm gonna say this it's gonna reveal my age and then no one's gonna have seen it and understand what i'm trying to say but didn't anyone ever see the english patient no No. never watched it no but i'm not too it's not because i uh i'm too too young to remember that i'm just i just never wanted to see it ever uh well there's just a scene in it there's just a scene in it where one of the girls who's taking care of the english patient falls in love with a man who's from the east and and before they have relations he takes down his turban and unwinds his hair and it's very very long and it remi- and it's oiled and it reminded me of this cuz it takes a long time and it's something that they did yeah. prior to having sex <laughs> and then he is a, he is a love machine Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. But she's... he's very gentle with her. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then I'm like, hello, call Drogo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like writing little little pink hearts in my notes. I'm like, call Drogo. <laughs> I love that oh. anybody has one word. No. 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 <laughs> no? Everything is no. 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 Oh, better, no. better than everything being yes. Yes. <laughs> Except in this case, no literally does mean yes. 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 Well, it's like, but he, then she says yes, but it's like not like he knows what yes means. <laughs> he does now. Yes, Danny, uh-huh. yes he does. He yes gets, means but sex. He gets, but he gives yes her means the, take me now. <laughs> yeah. Peace. He, he gives her the horse. He gives her her silver. Yeah. He gives her her silver and gives her the wind, which yeah, she loves. It's really ridden like that. No, and she gets the three... She gives the dra- the book <laughs> makes that joke. Yeah, she gets the three dragon eggs as a bride gift. And the three traditional Those don't weapons. seem important. The dragon eggs. Those probably won't yeah. come back to do anything later on. They're just a bunch no, of rocks. Definitely not. They're they're petrified. They're they're stone. Totally That's, useless. Yep. Yeah, use completely. them to uh, use them to prop open your door. Yeah. Right. Danny will Danny will use them as a paperweight. Yep. Yep. To smash infant heads. I was yep. about to say she should smash in her brother's head. Yeah, she'll put them up. They, better. She'll put them up as knickknacks on her, you know, on her bookshelf. She will arrange them aesthetically on the coffee table. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before they are swept <laughs> off so that Cal Drogo and she can do it like bunnies on the coffee table. That's to be a big damn coffee table then. Oh no, he doesn't bother with coffee tables. I mean, they just ride off to the nearest grassy mound. Let's find a nice grassy hill, wherever. <laughs> yeah, they don't even bother riding off sometimes. They have no sense of shame about this right there in the middle of the crowd. Why not? Yep. It's true. She, yeah. he's, he's the Cal, she's the Khaleesi. None of them are their equals. Let them look. It's yeah. basically and their that philosophy. Is to- and that is totally crazy. Cle- clearly the Dothraki do not get cable. No. Clearly. <laughs> they don't need cable. No, they don't. That's why they're so happy living their lives in the desert. <laughs> they the have pay- entertainment. The pay-per-view channel is live. <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh, but yeah. I, I gotta bounce out of this now, you guys. Yeah, um, I've got I've got to watch at least two episodes of Doctor Who before I can sleep now. Come on, is, is that like is that like a glass of warm milk for you? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. It's become an addiction, and it's not my fault. It is. This is no. sad. We're only through ninety pages of the book. I know. Are we seriously? We've actually been on. We've actually been on here for almost two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this we is bounced gonna around take- a little bit, to be That's- fair. A little bit, but trying to go chapter by chapter, there's like 674 pages. There's a lot in each chapter, too, really. There really is a lot going on, so... I mean, actually, the Danny... The Danny wedding is probably a a good place to end if we wanted to end for tonight. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely down for that. Okay. And we shall return at some other point in time. That way we won't have to do it. That way we won't have to go forward without Richard, who is, you know, leaving us, leaving us and, and a vital part of the reason why we're actually even planned to do Doing this. this. Yeah. Right. Wait, what? I kind of zoned out for a second. I was giving you props, man. Yeah. So just take them. Yeah. Just say right. thank you. Thanks. Yep. I love props. Yep. Um, so on that note, we are the Pufo Exchange. We will be back in some time for us, but probably just a few seconds for you listening. And we will continue our discussion with the next chapter, which is from Eddard's perspective. And hopefully Ryan will have read the book. By the Yay! Hopefully. hopefully. second Eddard chapter. Yeah. Yep. Is it third. only the second one? I think it's yeah. the third. Or third. Second or third. Yeah. It might be the, the third. One. Anyway, it's page 91 in the hardcover <laughs> edition. So Page we can 109 in my book. Either way, it's yeah. not far in, and we've had a lot of conversation. So It really is. Yep. So I th- it gives me definite hope going forward through the book and through the series. That we can make an entire season out of the Poopo Exchange and this series of books. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is, this I'm down with that. Let's end. do it. That's a very fair statement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess we're signing off for the night, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Good night. Good night. Good night.